Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um... <clears throat> That's the best I can do. Yeah, I, the the sound just completely cut out, so I couldn't actually hear how well you were doing. <laughs> what, you you go, you do it. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> God, that's actually horrendous. That's a horrendous way to start the podcast. Welcome along, everybody, to Spooktober. To the horrendous cast. <laughs> Spooktober, but also Cold Popsha, but also film franchise Fortnites on the Cold Popsha podcast during Spooktober. You're blowing my fucking mind right here, AJ. The intro music you will have just heard before I went, eh, 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 and before Richard went, hey was, uh, of course, by our good friend Carlisle and is the theme music to my latest short film, You're the Killer. So check that out. There's a link in the show notes. Um, that was a very fun piece of music to, I, you know, he created it, but I hummed it to him. And that was a very special moment for me because I feel like I've made music. Was it a special moment for Carlisle? Well, that's up to him. That's what he needs to tell us. Okay, and I, right. I hope he listens to this episode so that he knows that I want to hear him say that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is Film Franchise Fortnights where we watch a different film franchise every fortnight. My name is AJ and I'm joined by Richard on this little Zoom call that took a little bit longer than usual to yeah. get working. And I'm, and uh, I'm still... Like contemplating, do I restart my computer? Really? Well, what's going on? I don't know. Have I? Has it just been so goddamn long since we've recorded a podcast that I've forgotten what my waveform is supposed to look like? But mm. at the same time, and here's a compliment: I trust you implicitly with the editing of the podcast. Are you? Has it? Is it? You listened back to it before and it sounded normal? Well, I don't normally listen back to it. It sounded very quiet, but we record these very quietly. Is your project rate set to 44, 100 hertz? Are you on Windows Wasapi? Yes. And you're, it's going through your uh, UMC? My correct microphone? It's it's doing everything you got right. four but... channels going? Four channels. Going. I've I've stopped uh, being in podcast mode. You have continued. <laughs> I went into behind the scenes voice, but you stayed in character. Well, uh, so I guess it's staying in. <laughs> um, it's you, staying. Do you want to? Do you want to stop and just listen back to this, just in case? No. Oh. 
All right, we're back, everybody. Um, a brief hiatus, we're invisible back. to you, the listener. What have I explained so far? It's Spooktober, so we're doing horror movie franchises. It's Spooktober, you did those weird moans at the that start as well. How dare you? I will make it explicitly clear in the edit that it was you. Those. Um, <laughs> welcome, yeah. So welcome along to Spooktober, where we exclusively do spooky things and cover exclusively spooky franchises. And Richard, um, our first franchise for Spooktober 2022 is Psycho. It's not just wow. it is Psycho, but it is also literally. It's, it's not. It, yeah. It's sweet, but it's Psycho. It's left, but uh, yeah. it's right though. You know how it goes. This, is, that a, is that a me without you, Lou? <laughs> no. Who is that even by? I don't even know. Okay. Okay. Sweet, but psycho. I spelt sweet nuts bico. <laughs> it is by Ava Max. Oh, All right. Oh. So it is not that. No. Psycho, Richard, is, is a film and then five other films in that series. Um, so for a total of six films, wow. uh, including a non-canonical TV movie, a remake, um, and then just also three other sequels uh, released between 1960 and 1998. The first film in the series, Psycho, uh, is of course a classic of cinema, a black and white thriller directed by maybe the heaviest of Hollywood heavyweights, and there was a comment on his stature, not his weight. I'm not Okay, okay, okay. Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, it is widely considered to be one of the best films ever made and the first example or one of the first examples I know there's a technicality here of a toilet of flushing of what we'd now call the slasher genre and of toilets flushing uh, which seemingly uh, never came close to the same level of respectability again you know um, I don't think like like uh, Psycho was nominated for a few Oscars but wow. no one no one is expecting Halloween ends to receive any nominations you know like. yeah that's because it's not as good no it is similar I mean, get out it's not a yeah slasher, but is that a slasher but... yeah horror horror can sometimes make it up there but slashes not so much you um, bet your sweet bippy they can't <laughs> you sound like norman bates on drugs saying that <laughs> you bet your sweet bippy you can't God, all this work to get my microphone sounding crisp yeah. And then the things I say into it, yeah, I just ridiculed for <laughs> oh, entertainment. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Psycho series and its sequels specifically, I thought was similar to Jaws. It's a film mm. uh, revolutionary, considered one of the greats, and yet, as we were just saying, the films made in its legacy are almost never spoken about in, in high society film circles. Um, another way, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. What other cool words that I've never used out loud before could be? Oh, it's, um, what's the word they say in the fourth one? Oh, um, inordinate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not inordinately. Um, and another way that the Psycho series is similar to Jaws is that its sequels are maybe some of film franchise canon's most obscure, having made virtually no mainstream impact in the cultural zeitgeist. Most people these days probably don't even know what they're about, and yeah. many won't even know they exist. I reckon <laughs> before we covered it for Film Franchise Fortnite, if you'd asked me how many Psycho movies there are, I would have said, well, there's, I know there's the remake, so two? <laughs> yeah. uh, but we well, now you'd do written know. four on the franchise list, and we now know that there is 
six. Six. So I, I didn't. I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, um, so fuck. we do. We do know they exist now, and the first film, which will take up probably a lot more time to talk about than any of the other films in the series, was of course called Psycho. It came out in 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, based on the novel by Robert Bloch. That's Bloch with an H, not a K. So Bloch, maybe, but I doubt, because it doesn't have a T before the C. Bloch. Robert Bloge. Uh, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? A hundred. Pretty much. It's got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. And can you tell me, and spoilers for a very old film with um, a very famous spoiler in it, can you tell me what Psycho is about? Our hero, Marion Crane, mm. has stolen all this money and then goes... I gotta get the hell out of Dodge and mm. flees the cops and then settles down at what appears to be your average run of the mill hotel. Mm. But not inordinately creepy or anything. Not inordinately, like not in an not inordinately, way. no. <laughs> and she meets the friendly uh owner of the hotel, Norman Bates. They have they share a dinner together of sandwiches and milk. And, Should have known there. Should have known there. <laughs> and he talks about his dearest mother, who sounds like she's got a bit of a jealous streak. Now, after this creepy conversation, which also mentions taxidermy as Norman's primary hobby, mm. she slips into the shower and mm. then the slipping continues because she's stabbed a bunch by an unknown mm. figure and then slips over mm. because of the water and blood and blood and very and viscera i presume oh, and and roll credits i assume you've just told us the whole well story. Our, our hero has died mm. inordinately and so <laughs> do we know what inordinately because they say it in the first one as well can I do. we <laughs> I'm look up define it, it, it's like um and exceptionally large or like it uh okay unusually or disproportionately large excessive yeah okay. excessive is a good one um but no so obviously this uh this hot young piece of ass marion crane has gone <laughs> missing <laughs> and so as we all know when a white woman goes missing there's a whole big media storm uh surrounding it so they go to investigate the bates motel and it's funny you would specify a media storm which they deliberately go out of their way to not have in, in this movie yeah. because they don't go to the police because she stole money so they're hoping that um you know the, the well, person she stole money from is willing to forgive if her sister and her secret lover can figure out where she's to gone. to rebut that i would say they made a movie about it though <laughs> that's very true so Good and point. it's often considered one of the greatest of all time as you said mm. but yeah they go they investigate and then they find out spoilers for psycho that norman bates has actually been doing the killings which were up until now seen as being performed by uh, a feminine figure and presumably his mother he's been talking to but even bigger twist his mum's dead she did she real did she mm. a dead old he lady he yeah in fact he was the one that did it 
he's the one that did it. <laughs> and then that is the original title. And <laughs> just such a massive spoiler for the film. <laughs> and Do not tell anyone what happens and he's the one that did it. <laughs> he's the one that did it. It's a good name for a horror movie. Totally. But it's anyway. like John dies at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he... he Turns out he is essentially like a split personality and when he's killing people as mother, he genuinely believes that he is his mother. Hmm. Yes, correct. What did you think of this film? Had you seen it before? Well, no, I hadn't seen it before. Wow. I big horror, it... A big movie buff like you? Never seen Psycho? Yeah. Never seen Psycho? Well, AJ, have you seen it before? No, I'd not seen it properly before either. Big movie buff like you. <laughs> you think you're being funny, do you? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'd never seen Psycho. It just it slipped me by. I have it on DVD. I bought a matching DVD, like matching DVDs of the original and the remake. And oh, nice. never, never watched them, but I was, I was fascinated by the idea of it when I bought the DVD. And yeah. As a movie, though, yeah, it is It is pretty good. It's interesting mm. watching a movie like this and being like, yeah, no, I, I dig it. But the, the thing about it that interested me the most is that I had, I feel like I'd seen this entire film already. So mm. many scenes from this, I've actually like seen the actual scene. Other yeah. bits I've seen parodied endlessly. Other yeah, things yeah. you just pick up. It's one of those movies. Like, quotes through your life and you pick up um you know you know, the character names and everything like that and the and the plot and i probably could have recited the plot more or less the same two mm. weeks ago mm. but the one thing that always can that i never understood was the final line of the film <laughs> and i knew what the mm. final line of the film was that's do you want to say it because you i misquoted it earlier oh uh, what is it that i couldn't even hurt a fly no, they'll, they'll, they'll look at her, and I'm not even going to swap that fly. And yeah. they'll and they'll look at me, and they'll say, "Look, she wouldn't even harm a fly." Mm. And I was like, "Who's talking in this scenario?" And I I knew that he dressed up as his mum and committed the murders, but I didn't understand. I I I I think I never found out the whole like split personality the split personality thing that he genuinely right. believes he's the mother and that the meaning of that ending is that she's like still in there somewhere right yeah rattling around not swatting flies like a evil like a, witch like some kind of uh, crazy sociopath <laughs> i love the joke of like when something when a movie is called an adjective and you use synonyms for that adjective <laughs> the whole way through like some kind of insane loopy nut job um yeah, no, I I had never really seen Psycho before, um, but like oh, you, know, get I, a new I experience. Felt, I felt like uh, I pr- I could probably recite it. I remember a flatmate putting it on a few years back, and I was in and out of the room, and I wrote it off as boring from the snippet that I saw because the snippet that I saw was Marion Crane driving around and getting a new car. So I think if you only had seen <laughs> that scene, you'd just be like, "What the hell is this?" This shouldn't thing? be called Psycho. This should be called Marion Crane drives around <laughs> and gets a new car. Um, for a long time, I thought that was what the whole movie was more or less was like. About. Though. <laughs> 
I, I, I did I did know, of course, about the, the midpoint twist, the shower scene, along with uh, Bernard Herrmann's iconic score. Uh, I'd have probably said, like you, that I could recite the film without I've basically seen the entire film having been too exposed exposed to it so much. But uh, none of the, so none of the twists and turns really surprised me, but I did not know how little of the film I had seen between Marion's murder and Norman's capture. There's a whole movie in there where well, they're trying to figure out... Half of yeah. the movie Psycho. Yeah, there's specifically half of the movie Psycho. Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what happened after the shower scene. Like, yeah. I didn't know that, that there was a detective involved. I thought it was involved. one of those things that, you know, people are like, yeah, it's the midpoint of the movie, and it's like, you say it's the midpoint, but there's probably like 20 minutes left. Yeah, yeah. But no, but it's no, actually it before is. halfway. Yeah. It's like there's more of the movie after the shower scene than, than before it. Um, I really loved it, though, and I can totally appreciate the a lot of the artistry going on in every aspect mm. of the film. Mm. Um, it is very much the kind of thing that is, it's very... Uh, feels very intentional every bit of lighting every shot every sound effect feels very crafted um, it actually wasn't though if you look behind the scenes I, and most of the stuff just happened and they happen to be filming <laughs> crazy that is psycho <laughs> that is psycho <laughs> that that happened um it was well on its way to a predictable five stars for me richard but then oh. the second to last scene of the film involves a psychiatrist explaining norman's psychosis to everyone using a very outdated term which we won't uh say what is um, it uh you know you know the word. The word that, that means when someone uh, is dressing up the like from Rocky their Horror. mother. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, this just absolutely tanked the momentum for me. I can only assume that like audiences in 1960 weren't as accustomed to like a split personality situation in yeah. their stories. Well, if because you don't it explain seemed... it, they would just walk out of cinema being like, so what, he was just some kind of psycho, and we're just supposed <laughs> to buy that. I just, I just like he he talks for probably like three minutes explaining the. It's actually the midpoint of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it genuinely, it took the film down half a star for me. I just thought it was wow. unnecessary and over expository, and I don't know. I didn't really. Didn't I'm like sorry, that AJ. Bit. I like to understand my films. <laughs> um. Despite now being recognised as Hitchcock's best, though, if not his most well-known uh, film, Psycho was not initially a unanimous hit with critics, yeah. nor was it a slam dunk. It actually came much later in his career than I realised. This was mm. it like was actually an alley oop. <laughs> this, thank you. This was actually one of the like comparatively one of the last films he directed. He only directed like maybe. 10 more after this which is like 10 wow. that's an entire director's career but hitchcock i don't know if you've seen his wikipedia page but this guy directed like 100 films so um i was surprised that it wasn't like the one that put him on the map i guess yeah it's also like i think that just in our in our minds we you know assume that it's like oh um he it's black and white so it's one of his old yeah. ones but like Rear Window came out before this, and that's in color. Yep. 
Yep, uh, it, just before this this film was North by Northwest and Vertigo, two very mm. lush Technicolor um, films. Uh, and a big reason for this was that Psycho was actually made for a much smaller budget, and it employed the team behind Hitchcock's TV series Alfred Hitchcock Presents instead of more expensive film crews. And this was done because Paramount uh, hated the story. They thought it, it was grotesque, they thought it was disgusting, they thought it was too far, and they refused to finance the film so Hitchcock had to fund it himself I think it did get um, uh, distribution through Paramount but they were like we want no part of this so you take (laughs) they were like you take the whole box office you idiot you've made such a dud and of course uh, he did not make a dud uh, and and had the box office all to himself basically so and and like I I feel like when we discuss things like spoilers that's that feels like it's a very modern um, thing. It feels like it's a very modern thing to be like, do not spoil what happens in Avengers Endgame. Don't game. spoil the Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Don't but, spoil um, it, darling. <laughs> this was... That was genuinely uh, like they had the hashtag for... Oh, did they? At the um, Don't Worry Darling like premiere. The oh, hashtag nice. don't spoil it, darling. So, this was... The, Spoilers but, you know, th- sucks. <laughs> this <laughs> film... This film came out in in 1960, and not only was there an anti-spoiler campaign for it, it was most of the marketing. Um, So you've got... So, um, first of all, he purchased the film rights for uh, $9,500. I don't know how much that is now, but that's all it cost at the time. Um, And then reportedly attempted to buy every copy of the novel in the world so that no one could read it ahead of time and see what would happen. Um, Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins, who play, play Marion Crane and Norman Bates, were forbidden from doing a press tour, and Hitchcock just did it himself. Like, so he was doing radio interviews um, because he didn't want anyone to, like, unguarded slip what the movie was about um and the trailer for this movie is is kind of iconic it's a six minute trailer which is just hitchcock walking around the set talking about how Mm. bananas this film is and then nearly spoiling it and then be like oh no i'm not going to spoil it there were there were posters made up you've probably seen some of these if you're any kind of like internet if you're any kind of man <laughs> uh, there's one I really like, which is Hitchcock pointing to his watch, and then it says beside it, "It is required that you see Psycho from the very beginning. The next showing of Psycho begins at." And then there's a little whiteboard where you write the time, um, and then it says, "The manager of this theater has been instructed, at the risk of his life, not to admit to the theater any persons after the picture starts. Any spurious attempts to enter by side doors, fire escapes, or ventilating shafts will be met by force. The entire objective of this extraordinary policy, of course, is to help you enjoy Psycho more." There's also another poster that says, "After you see Psycho, don't give away the ending. It's the only one we have." Um, it's pretty fun. These would be great posters to be, just have, like, hanging in your man cave, you know? Oh, like. yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and then I put, like, the next screening starts at 69. Yeah! <laughs> 690, like 690 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Don't spoil how it ends. <laughs> A big change from the original novel is one of the most famous elements of the film. I thought this was oh. pretty interesting. Is that Marion Crane isn't like red herring 
the main character of the story. Oh, what colour hair does she have? Um, it, I don't know if it says, but in the novel, her story only takes up about two out of the 17 chapters, while the film instead tricks you into thinking she's the protagonist until yeah. her death at nearly halfway through. What do you think about this famous twist? Do you have any Richardian I... observations? Do I have any what observations? Richardian. Oh, nice. Uh, what would you consider like a Richardian observation? I could I could never make one up because they're inherently you. No, but oh, like from a um, from a previous podcast. Um, I hate how you've thrown a question back onto me after I've thrown. I, a question I feel like I do this a lot. <laughs> you never tell me the Rotten Tomato scores. You say, "What would you guess?" <laughs> I can't think of one. I can't think of a Richardian wow. observation. I've lied. Well, that's to you. because they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> they so, do, you do it's like pornography you'll know it when you when you yeah. see it wait is that so, the line yeah yeah so the twist of janet lee hmm. marion crane hmm. jamie lee curtis's mother hmm. dying hmm. midway through psycho yeah yeah that one is something that i I've got a bit of an interesting perspective. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like it as a. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that's like, it's hard because it is so well endowed into into <laughs> pop into pop culture until mm. now. But I think the thing that is that you know I'd heard for so long. You think she's the main character until she dies, but yeah, I didn't realize like how much the plot really is entirely her mm. i mean it's still like, kind it's, she still kind of like is a, the main character after her death in a lot of ways. yeah it's not like a case of a like a final girl where they say i'm just gonna, i i could see someone in the window through a crack in my curtain my blind and i thought you know what i don't want them seeing me so i just anywho but yeah that it's like the movie's not about Norman or anything until quite she late into the him. movie. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, there's a whole movie's worth of plot set up already. It's and it's not quite like, a compelling plot as well. Like mm, she buys a money, new car. Buys a new car. But yeah, that it's it it really is like a shock. But I mean, it shouldn't be called Psycho. What should it be called? He's the one who did it. All oh, right. Because then you'd start the movie being like, the main character's a woman. What do they mean by he? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, it would be cool if this was like, I mean, I guess it wasn't marketed as a horror, really. It was just marketed as a... Something Happens, I something believe, happens, was the, yeah. <laughs> another good title for any movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I No, I, I like it. I'm trying to think. I feel like I've seen things replicated that I can't, again, I can't think of a perfect example of like a main character dying halfway through a movie Joe, I, um, I i did it in um one of my film school projects and oh really i i got told it was a bad idea derivative of psycho they said and then the next person came in and they were like this is derivative of psycho because <laughs> you're in film school um yeah. no I, I think i think it's great i think as well it doesn't um 
it it it's a it's a character death and a main character death which then leads to a satisfying story and it's not like yeah. the film loses something when she's gone um and so i think it's it's handled quite well the in the novel i read that um that the the novel makes it so that a lot of the a character will die and then a new one comes along and you think well they're the main character now and then they die as well <laughs> that that does sort of happen in this with with abergast the detective who yeah. i didn't know died and so i was like well this is obviously our new hero and then he died and i was like well i don't know what's uh, happening well i'm just going to stop try to trying to predict you movie yes because exactly. you, you you win this round Hitchcock. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it is believed that around 60 shots were used for the, the famous shower scene, though there are some who believe that there are more. I don't know how this isn't an objective thing that you could just figure out. Uh, but there is even a documentary called 7852, the Hitchcock shower scene, uh, named for the believed 78 shots and 52 edits that the guy who made the documentary thought were in in that scene it's a whole documentary about the scene presumably the the famous music there um that was made by bernard herman uh and he convinced hitchcock that music would intensify the scene because that music doesn't really play anywhere else i think it's maybe in the title sequence but that was probably put in it after plays it's, a lot in the remake yeah it does um so they the her man uh, convinced Hitchcock that it would intensify the scene. Hitchcock originally wanted no music for for that scene, which does sound one step less terrifying than the than the music. That, that, <laughs> that, like nothing in there at all. Uh, but after they put in the music, Hitchcock doubled her man's salary because he was so stoked with um, how it how it came together. Um, other th- other sort of like trivia things to tick off whenever you talk about Psycho. Uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup was used as blood. Mm. A stabbing of a melon was used to make the sound of a body being stabbed. Um, yeah, all that sort of fun filmmaking there's stuff. No, there's no nudity and a knife never actually pierces any skin. Yeah, I think uh, that was... That that was changed from an original cut where you did see a knife pierce a skin, pierce some skin. Yeah, there's there's a a knife touching skin shot. Right, right. I right. actually think it looks pretty stupid by today's really, standards. yeah, really, a little bit. This is a Richardian observation. Please, please <laughs> go on. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it, it's it's iconic, but I I guess it's seeing it in the remake, which I watched however long however long this podcast is that's how long ago i finished the film mm. and I, I think it doesn't i mean it's the same shots but it doesn't work very well on it well i think we'll talk about this more s- symptom this of the remake in yeah general. but the, that like i don't know i think that something being shot like that it just because now we're so um we're so oversaturated with things being shaky cam and fast edits to hide a lack of stunt work or violence or whatever it is that yeah going back to this i i see it more as a my modern film consuming brain sees that as lazy filmmaking 
what I think it, to, to defend Hitchcock, I don't think it is lazy filmmaking because I think what we're watching, it's the same thing as when the um the MPAA forbid sex in movies. Yeah. And so people would talk about like, we're going to go ride that horse really hard, huh? You're going to ride that horse with me? Like this is an example of where they, they have to show a- They're riding the horse. Well, a naked woman being stabbed and they can't show her nudity and they can't show violence. Yeah. And I think with that in mind, it is a very creative workaround. Well, but it's, yeah, but there's the, I've seen so many scenes censored like that. Right. So you don't even think by the, with that caveat that this is a particularly impressive scene. I don't think it's an impressive scene. I just think it looks kind of silly now. Okay. Well, did you know that in the novel she's actually decapitated? <laughs> wow. So I'm glad they didn't have to figure out how to film that without uh, without showing any violence because it probably wouldn't have been quite as impactful. Mm. Um, according to Stephen Rebello's 1990 book, Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, the censors in charge of enforcing the production code wrangled with Hitchcock because some of them insisted they could see one of Janet Lee's boobies. Now, we've, no. No. Uh, yeah, we've, we've both looked pretty hard at this film, and I think we can confirm that you can't. Um, and they, so they, the... the, the um, uh, the production code were like, you got to take it out. Got to take it out. We don't want to see any boobies. And so they gave it back to, they gave the reels back to Hitchcock, who did nothing to them for like six days, then handed them back. They watched the exact same film and they were like, yep, yeah, no, that's that's fine now. You've, you've Everyone who um, works for the censorship board is stupid. Mm. <laughs> um, the board was also upset with the racy opening with... Um, with Janet Lee in a bra. Um, and so Hitchcock said that if they let him keep the shower scene, he would reshoot the opening with, with the, the board on set. Um, and no one showed up. So he was like, all right, well, we're not reshooting it. And the, <laughs> the, the topless wearing a bra opening, um, scene stayed. Uh, as we said, well, also, this is yeah. one of the first times a flushing toilet was seen in the film in the novel, an airing, one of her earrings is found next to the toilet. The screenwriter for this film, um, Joseph Stefano, was like, all right, uh, we'll have her flush away a note she writes down, and that way the toilet is integral to the plot and we won't be able to cut a flushing toilet out, which is so funny to think of like filmmakers as being that rebellious that they're like they're going to these lengths to include, of all things, a flushing toilet yeah. still in the film. <laughs> Yeah, and how far we've come that you know, a mere thirty-eight years later, mm. there's a butthole in the movie. <laughs> we will get to the butthole. I, Do that's not worry. All I want to talk about. Well, Richard, if you go on IMDb trivia and look up Psycho, you will be inundated with probably I would guess up to. 5,000 entries <laughs> for a single <laughs> film um, and a lot of these entries are very poorly written or reveal something very stupid about the film and I'm going to tell you some of them now in one of our favourite multi-part segments uh, Dumb IMDb Trivia so these are directly lifted from IMDb Although Norman Bates was typecasted, uh, typecasted Anthony Perkins, he still he said he still would have taken the role even if he knew the character would dog his career was this written by an Australian? 
would yeah, dog yeah. his career. What a funny sentence to read. Like, <laughs> one of the most like highly respected films of all time. <laughs> Although Norman Bates was typecast, typecast Anthony Perkins, he still said he would have taken the role, even if he knew the character would dog his career. <laughs> He's dogging the boys. He's dogging the career. On set, Sir Alfred Hitchcock would always refer to Anthony Perkins as Master Bates. Uh, Hitchcock did have the reputation for often harassing male and female cast members like this. See Tippy Hedron, Billy Mummy, etc. I think it's funny that um, Hitchcock would seemingly be mocking someone's name being turned into Master Bates when, like, he made the character. We didn't make. He could, you know, like. Well, so it's his not name his is real- Cock in it. <laughs> that's a good point yeah I, that's if, where you're going if no i guess that's that is true if i was anthony perkins i'd be like your name is cock in it and then i would just walk away <laughs> yeah um after this movie's release sir alfred hitchcock received angry letters from the father of a girl who refused to have a bath after seeing le diabolics le diabolics 1955 another hitchcock film and the child now refused uh to shower after seeing psycho hitchcock sent a note back simply saying send her to the dry cleaners (laughs) um and finally this (laughs) this was sir alfred hitchcock's first horror movie which i read and i was like that's not true that can't be true and like what it like you know and he did i would argue that vertigo is about as scary as psycho i guess or you know like i think there have been he made dark horror-esque movies before this but i think more what it is is that this is the first horror movie (laughs) or one of you know what we'd call horrors so to say this is his first one it's like yeah no shit like no one was doing them like this before before psycho Uh, did you have any favourite moments or things that you really liked in this film that you wanted to to discuss? Oh, I mean, the the shower scene. <laughs> you don't think we've discussed that just <laughs> quite enough yet? <laughs> nah. Um, I just, just look at that. Um, so the, the book Psycho came out 14 months before the movie. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Richard, before we move on to the much lesser talked about rest Uh, of the series, um, we do have a question that we like to ask when we get to this point in our discussions, and that is, why? But more specifically, franchise. Why did this become a franchise? And this is like, for this franchise specifically, it is a very interesting question. It's not like any you know a modern blockbuster franchise where it's like well it made a lot of money and so people clearly wanted to see it psycho 2 didn't come out for 22 years after this one so uh 23 years 20, actually. So, years, yeah. so what why do you think uh they decided let's give it a crack let's let's crack open do you, do you the have psycho an answer kit. to this i have an answer to this yeah okay yeah but i want to presume it's uh anthony perkins went into dead or something <laughs> <laughs> that's a good um that's a good guess it's it's um similar to some very tragic things that did happen in his life but no that is not why psycho 2 he actually nearly didn't return for psycho 2 wow hmm. no the the real reason uh for why psycho 2 was made requires us to return to our old friend whose name we don't know how to pronounce robert Bloch, Bloch, <laughs> Robert Bloch, who wrote a Psycho 2 novel, which came out in 1982. Um, however, uh, Psycho 2 is not based off Psycho 2, the novel, um, because uh, Robert Bloch's sequel novel um, 
involved Norman Bates escaping from his mental institution and traveling to Hollywood where he attempts to stop the production of a film based on his life. Blotch was left out of the, the production of the sequel film and eventually felt quite bitter about this. Um, Psycho 2 the novel is considered immature incoherent and unsuitable for adaptation into motion picture uh so basically robert blosh wrote this novel that was like bad mouthing slasher and horror and hollywood and the people who owned the film rights were like fuck you we're gonna make a fucking movie (laughs) so psycho 2 was essentially made out of spite hitchcock had died in 1980 i think um and uh but his daughter gave the blessing for psycho 2 she said that um alfred would have loved it which is a nice way to think of how alfred hitchcock like people say that about the remake as well i think his daughter said like he would have been flattered by the remake um which is really interesting so yeah psycho 2 was directed by uh came out in 1983 it was directed by richard franklin what do you think it has on ron tomatoes 53 is 61% so just just fresh what is psycho 2 about so norman gets out of uh, a mental institution that he was mm-hmm. put in and then just is allowed to just go back to bates motel mm. which yeah. seems insane but he gets a job as like a um, kitchen hand a, a kitchen hand and he meets a girl you know what happens and then murderings start a happening again hmm. uh and then mother starts making a wicked voice be heard again and yeah that turns out that the people are trying to set up norman his- yeah so he makes he becomes quite close with a woman named mary who we halfway through the film we find out is actually the daughter of uh marion's sister who was a main character in the first film um and that they're basically trying to get him put back in prison by tricking him into uh going psycho again um yeah. uh, it backfires a lot of fucking people fucking die in this movie um the girl dies um lila dies sam's already dead the the uh, boyfriend from the first film um and uh sort of a big change is it's revealed that norma bates mrs bates was actually not norman's biological mother and at the end of the film norman's biological mother shows up where he kills her in almost identical fashion he he poisons her like how he poisoned his mom and then he says you sure you won't have one of those sandwiches and she says what and then he clubs her with a shovel um (laughs) and it's the only character norman bates kills in the film everyone else is killed by someone else or um or you know is dies accidentally or or things like that yeah so what did you think of psycho 2 well it's yeah i didn't didn't love it but i i was so intrigued by this the fact that this came out 23 years afterwards because we get a lot of distant sequels nowadays but Mm. and so what i always like to do with these to really like cement in my mind like for people going to see psycho 2 how long ago it felt yeah yeah to go to that for the original psycho and you know psycho seeming like this untouchable movie at the time i was thinking back okay well what would it be like if a film that came out in 1999 
got a sequel now and then i was like well i mean okay when i think 1999 films i think the matrix uh but then that did get a sequel last year but obviously had other sequels in between (laughs) but then i thought of what i think is probably the the perfect like analogy is that um if eyes wide shut 2 came out this year right yeah, yeah that it's like this untouchable masterpiece from one of the greatest directors of all time his last one his last one that like hasn't you know like its legacy hasn't been ruined in any way for 22 Mm. years and the like eyes wide open coming out and tom cruise is returning bizarrely would it be like eyes wide because eyes wide open is just the phrase would it be eyes closed open or something (laughs) yeah eyes tight open yeah yeah what did you think of the film uh so unlike jaws 2 i think psycho 2 as well as 3 and 4 are at the very least quite interesting films Uh, (laughs) before watching them i had no idea what they were about but the rehabilitation of norman bates is a pretty unique approach to a series of stories and and you you haven't seen that done in any other horror franchise or slasher franchise um like he is unequivocally the the main character the the audience the, the sympathetic audience surrogate for the sequels um despite the fact that he's you know unambiguously the villain of the the first film um and that's i think that's interesting whether these were were planned in advance or not or not and i'm i'm not the only person who thinks that because there's even a documentary that i would love to check out sometime called the psycho legacy which is a documentary that specifically focuses on the sequels and not so much the first film um and i i don't know i think it's just a it's a strange thing that you know I knew there were sequels to Psycho, but I had no idea what they were about. They could have been like monster of the week happenings at Bates Motel. Mm. And I would have been like, that makes sense for Psycho sequels. But no, they are like integral story-based carrying on the story sequels. And there's some stuff I really liked in um, Psycho 2, particularly uh, Anthony Perkins, who's fantastic in Psycho, but he's still pretty good in um, Psycho 2, as well as uh, Meg Tilly, who is, yes, the sister of Jennifer Tilly, um, who we'll be seeing a lot more of in weeks to come. Um, She plays Mary Loomis, and I thought uh, Mary and Norman's relationship was actually surprisingly touching and probably the best aspect of any of the sequels. There's a a scene where she's comforting him because he thinks he's going crazy again thinks he's going psycho again and she just hugs him and it's a very genuinely sweet scene um i think making lila loomis the villainous force is a tragic but good idea as well and while i love the ending where norman poisons uh his new mother and then clubs her with a shovel retconning it so that mrs bates wasn't his real mother is like an insanely bad idea and like yeah that's that felt like the the real oh, the sequely the, moment yeah 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 it's it feels like an early example of like a plot stretching retcon the kind of thing we now know is like that's bad writing and i wonder i wonder if in 1983 it had been done so infrequently that people didn't realize writing. it was bad writing or the writers didn't realize it was bad writing so yeah there's there's a lot of good um and there's more good than bad i think which is probably what a 61 percent 
uh, audience score, uh, critic score reflects. <laughs> yeah, uh, barely. <laughs> but the the last act drags and drags and drags. Norman becomes very hard to use on the chessboard of the story toward the end of the the final act, and so he's just sort of going around believing his mother's back, um, while like other characters are actually doing like important yeah. things. And I think you could probably cut out a lot of that final act. Um, but yeah, no, I was quite surprised by how genuinely quite good a lot of this was it's more violent than the first one um it feels like it's embracing a lot more like slasher tropes um, yeah it's, it's kind of like the first example of those like slasher tropes we've all come to know and love right yeah i mean there's there's like someone the bigger like and more kills yeah yeah someone like falls on a knife and it like goes up through their chin and like you can see it poking out of their mouth and and yeah, yeah shit shit like that it's hot and um, before reading the screenplay anthony perkins turned down reprising the role of norman bates um, and norman bates was nearly recast as christopher walken now let's say some famous norman Bates quotes in a christopher walken voice what have you got for me this is an integral part of the podcast. Uh. <laughs> Why don't you want to try? You're good at Christopher Walken. A boy's best friend uh, <laughs> is his mother. That's great. That's that's actually perfect. That's exactly what I want. All right, let me let me, tr- let me try one. Um, 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 not inordinately. <laughs> what what, what do you say? Now you- look. And be like, oh my, she wouldn't uh, even hurt a fly. Oh God, mother, blood, blood. (laughs) It's Christopher Uh, Walken as Dracula, mm, as normal. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. We all go a little mad sometimes. (laughs) For blood. For blood. Uh, John Gavin, you remember him? He was unable to reprise his role as uh, Samuel Loomis, the boyfriend from the first film, because he was appointed US Ambassador of Mexico by President Ronald Reagan. So he could not return, so they killed him off. Well, that's my Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) Janet Lee's daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, was considered for Mary Loomis before the role went to Meg Tilly, who reportedly had a terrible time shooting this film. She did not get along with the director. She did not get along with Anthony Perkins. They, everyone hated each other, um, which is surprising because their chemistry is probably the high point Mm. of the film. Can you do a Reagan impression? Uh, I'm going to forever change uh, American cultural norms for the worst. (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev, (laughs) tear down this world. Uh, Vincent Canby of the New York Times wrote that the film has all of the characteristics of a conventional sequel to Hitchcock's 1960 classic, but as you watch it, you may feel as if you're seeing a couple of precocious film students play with artifacts found in the Hitchcock mausoleum. What do you think about that? I like the word mausoleum. Mm, yeah. I guess it's like, it is funny to think like, it's it's like, it's one of those cases of like, these people who probably grew up inspired by Hitchcock are now given the rights to, to make a canonical continuation. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's always going to feel like, what gives you the right? Like, what? why do you get to How do this? you stand where he How uh, do you stood, stand where he once stood? Mr. Gorbachev. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Arnold from the Washington Post also asked, has movie storytelling broken down this grotesquely in 23 years? But this was Reagan time. So I wonder if 
there was a lot yeah, more like well. there, there was a lot more like um we hate violence we hate sexuality like you yeah, know it seems today that all you see is that's what they were thinking after seeing psycho 2 um, and I wonder, yeah, what we could see from comparing the reviews for for one of the first yeah. big legacy sequels to to what we hear today, you know? Yeah, like, and because I wonder what what Ronald Reagan would say. Like <laughs> yeah, what as... would he say about it, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, a boy's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um. <what? laughs> Let's give this sixty-one uh, percent on Run Tomatoes. I don't know that I could do Reagan so well. I think that's just. I think any president. I'm just going to make Nixon if I don't know specifically how they talk oh, beforehand. Yeah. What would Richard Nixon sound like as Norman Bates? A boy's best friend is his mother. What would Donald Trump sound like? I'll tell you what, and it's it's the truth. A boy's best tell friend. You. A boy's best friend. It is, this is my win. I, win. I only went into Schwarzenegger because you did it back to me, and I've lost the. <laughs> I lost the bite. I've lost Donald Trump. <laughs> I say this every day. <laughs> a boy's best friend. This is. Have I? To- I haven't told the story. You sound like a Hanna Barbera character. You don't sound more <laughs> like well, Donald Hannah Trump Barbera. than I do. I haven't told the story on the podcast, I don't think. But the, the we, when it was, we were living together and we were living with David Correos, the, the comedian, the, the internationally known comedian. Um, I had gone to bed early. I think I might have been on an early shift the next day. But David came home later one night and he had, was having a friend stay with us. And it was, it was this guy whose whole act was like, he does stand up as donald trump he does he's a donald trump impersonator Mm. and i just remember being kept awake by hearing on the other side of the wall you going oh they'd be like oh my god that is it's like he's here (laughs) it's so good that is crazy and then the next morning because i couldn't hear his impression Mm. through the wall i could just hear your like mind-blowing thing and then the next day i was like um I was like, oh, what was that? What was that Trump guy like? And he was like, oh, his Trump wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, but you, it sounded like you were really enjoying it. And you were like, yeah, I just felt so awkward because <laughs> he was just doing a Donald Trump impression in one our living mo- room. One of the most like garden variety pre- impressions you could do at the time. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, that's that's, <laughs> that's funny. Um, back to Psycho 2, Richard, if I may. What, like, because I, I guess this this interests me because with um with something like a new Star Wars or the new Ghostbusters, I think is a good example of this. Like, the criticisms are like this is literally rehashing the plot of the first mm. film. Like Ghostbusters Afterlife, especially, is like just it uses the exact same mythology and you know Force Awakens and things like that. It became it became like this very specific kind of well, distant that's what sequel. The whole new Scream as well precisely and i just think it's so interesting that you have here something that's like not as good as but probably more closely akin to like blade runner 2049 which is like no no we are taking the where the story left off and we're continuing it later is important yeah exactly um and yeah i wonder if this had come out now or or whatever that that it would have a bit of a different uh response maybe 
Mm. Well, it'd probably be too too long. That's true. When asked of of his thoughts in 2015, um, the screenwriter for this film, Tom Holland, no, not that Tom Holland, um, he replied, we should have called it something other than Psycho. Presumably, he's the one that did it. Uh, Because it had no more than a passing resemblance to the original. What we did to Norman Bates and Lila Loomis was criminal. Uh, And he also added, outside of that, it was wonderful. So it's interesting to hear that even the writer doesn't really like mm. what what they did um that tom holland by the way went on after writing psycho 2 to write and direct the original fright night film uh, as well as child's play bum bum hot bum. fucking damn yeah there are two big swinging tom holland dicks in hollywood one of them is significantly bigger than the other wow. and it's not this guy tom holland <laughs> spider-man tom holland's dick is bigger than that's what I'm saying. Wow. Got some dumb IMDb trivia for uh, Psycho 2. Uh, in the original Psycho, Marion Crane signs into the guest ledger at, at the Bates Motel as Mary Samuels. That's the same name that Mary Loomis adopts in this movie. There is a kind of suspension of disbelief that Norman should have remembered that. Uh-huh. Uh, nobody dresses up in drag in Psycho 2. Mary and Lila aren't dressing up in drag because they're women. They're just aging up. Um, there are two characters with a last name Loomis, Lila Loomis and Mary Loomis. There's actually three, if you get, so <laughs> someone's added to this. There's actually three if you count Billy Loomis, who is a character from Scream. This is AJ talking now. And I'm pretty sure there isn't a Billy Loomis in this film. Um, the character of Sam Loomis from the original film was written out as the actor John Gavin was serving as the American ambassador to Mexico. Loomis was actually the last name of the Doctor in the later, uh, later in Halloween 1978 and its sequels, played by Donald Pleasant. Many movie posters for Halloween featured a repeated knife-stabbing visual evoking the famous shower scene from the original Psycho. So we've got here a piece of uninteresting trivia that is then corrected by someone who says something wrong, and then it pivots to the Sam Loomis Halloween connection, which then pivots to an entirely unrelated piece of yeah. trivia about the movie posters that is uh, that is just... Um, I like how it's like if you're looking for a connection between Halloween and Psycho... Instead of being like, if the main character is Marion Crane's daughter, you're like, yeah. oh, they both have <laughs> stabbing. <laughs> uh, there are four killers in the story. That's more than any other slasher movie in the history of film! Exclamation mark. We see flashbacks of <laughs> Norman ki- killing Norma. Yeah, right. We see flashbacks of Norman killing Norma, and then we see Norman kill Emma Spool, who's his quote-unquote real mother then emma spool kills three people she kills toomey the teenager tim in the basement and lila um then mary kills dr raymond then sheriff hunt shoots mary that's four killers in fact there's only seven lead characters in this movie and most of them are killers only three of them are not killers the main cast includes emma spool warren toomey norman bates john hunt dr raymond uh, lila loomis and mary loomis so raymond lila and toomey are the only ones who aren't killers Wow. And final words for 
Well, you think that's a lot of word. I've got a lot of words. I've got another piece of dumb IMDb trivia for you here. You just tell me where you want me to stop, okay? Okay. All right. The here type we go. of knife you. <laughs> no, it's not that, but I was expecting that. We hear Warren Toomey scream at Norman in several scenes and call him a psycho. This is ironic because this franchise essentially coined the term psycho, or helped popularise it. People often ask if the movie Psycho made up the term psycho, a term which we all use today. The answer (laughs) is yes and no. Robert Block and (laughs) and Alfred Hitchcock did not invent the word psycho, but they made it infinitely more popular. Interestingly, although the colloquialism psycho does in fact predate the movie, it was rare. The term was coined in the 30s and 40s and probably by the medical community who usually used it as a shorthand, just a shortening of psychological. Sometimes people would use it as a put-down, but not often. One area it does pop up in this era is the Wonder Woman comics. One of her big villains was introduced in 1943 was Dr. Psycho. Again, the term was coming from Wonder Woman creator William Moulton Marston, who was in the medical community when he was a doctor. And Marston even used it in the way that we use it today as a put-down, but again, that was rare. Probably following in William Moulton Marston, Marston's lead or copying him the next year in 1944 was DC Comics uh, debuted another supervillain called Psycho Pirate then in the 50s the term wow. popped up twice and the popular syndicated Broderick oh, Crawford police <laughs> that is not even halfway through this <laughs> insanely long piece of IMDb trivia <laughs> the answer is just no then the the at the at the end the last sentence says so Block didn't didn't invent the word psycho maybe William Moulton Marston did but Block definitely did popularize it it's like a little fucking essay it yeah, actually yeah. is it's like an essay with no paragraph breaks yeah yeah. <laughs> Well, Richard, let us move swiftly forward three years, nineteen eighty six to Psycho three. What you thought he was two psycho and psycho well now he's three psycho and psycho three three psycho because this was directed by the psycho himself anthony perkins the the man playing norman bates uh directed psycho three it was his first of only two directing gigs the other being a 1988 black comedy three no a 1988 black comedy called lucky stiff which follows a guy who winds up at a cannibal christmas dinner held by descendants of the donna party which is interesting because anthony perkins taking on the norman bates role was like wow this romantic lead because that's what he was known for playing like a psychopath but then like i guess if if he was drawn to the subject matter so much that he made another slasher or another horror comedy Mm. afterwards um it's kind of interesting what do you think this has on ron tomatoes oh 41 percent it has 59%, so three, oh. four less than Psycho 2, but crucially dipping below Fresh, which, mm. what a, again, Rotten Tomatoes gets this franchise, I think. I think it knows <laughs> what it's talking about. Uh, before we discuss it, I do want to just give a little content warning, because uh, suicide is quite a massive part of the story, and we will be discussing it. Um, so if that is something that upsets you, please skip ahead. But Richard, what is this film about? So in this one, yeah, there's this suicidal nun mm. who just keeps trying to kill herself, and then there's also a hot young dude and then they kind of their their lives intertwine at uh at, at norman bates's hotel motel the, motel yeah this one yeah i, I the, this one when i when i logged on to 
to do this, I was like, what is Psycho 3 about? <laughs> and had to be like, oh, yes, it's the one with the the young dude who comes to work for Norman and loves to fuck. Yeah. Played by played by Jeff Fahey, who would go on to play Lapidus in Lost, among many other characters. Um, but I've never seen him so sexy. My God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, Norman... Um, the nun that comes to stay with them, her name is Maureen, um, and Norman, uh, when he sees her enter the motel, he's freaking out. He's like, "Mother's gonna take over. I'm gonna murder again." Um, and he goes. It, it recreates the the lead up to the shower scene from the first film, but when he pulls back the curtain, Maureen has slit her wrists in the bathtub, mm-hmm. um, and he actually saves her and uh, nurses her back to health. And the two have sort of a uh will they won't they romance but again at the end of this film almost everyone is dead and norman having actually murdered some innocent people in this one um is sent back to the institution um again i thought this was pretty interesting and had quite a few good ideas it's it's worse than psycho 2 but i still gave it the same score and i think as i said 59 percent when two got 61 feels pretty true for me um and i i think i think the nun stuff it it begins with like you hear like a church bell ringing and then you hear this this nun yell there is no god and it is quite captivating because it's like where am i in the psycho yeah yeah exactly um and that subversion of the original shower shower scene where he saves her um he goes to kill Maureen only to find she's trying to kill herself. I think that is a great idea. I think that's a great idea that only works in a sequel to Psycho. Mm. Um, and I really, really liked that. And I was like, damn, am I going to really like Psycho 3? But don't worry, everybody. Um, it's not that good. Uh, and it's, pre- <laughs> it's, pre- it's pretty funny that both first two sequels are just about Norman trying to get laid by woman half his age as well. Um, yeah. I I want to also point out the thing that stuck out the most to me in this film, and because also like it's it's one of those things with like well duh, but like Anthony Perkins is so fucking good in the first movie, mm. like phenomenally good. Mm. He's so fucking bad in Psycho Three, <laughs> like phenomenally, so? <laughs> inordinately, inordinately bad. bad. Wow. I mean, in is Psycho it because 3. he's directing it? It was his first. It must be, thing? but he's just like so, like to use a, a, an acting term, he's like mugging in every scene he's in. It's just what does like, that oh, mean? Anthony, this is the scene where you're supposed to act surprised. So he's just like, wow, you know, <laughs> like wow. it looks like an emoji. Mm, right, rather than I guess, actually feeling it, it's such a bad performance mm, it is, and it's worse than Psycho 2 as well which yeah. I still I thought was actually quite good but I do yeah, agree that, fine, but... that that it's it's weaker in this one yeah, yeah. it's weird they, they undo the retcon uh, they expl- which is in itself another retcon where they yeah. explain that the original Mrs. Bates is Norman's mother and the other lady who was Mrs. Bates' sister so Norman's auntie uh, was actually just crazy um, and was it was this whole love triangle of jealousy and no one knew who Norman belonged to um, I'm glad that it set the canon straight that Mrs. Bates is Norman's mother yeah, yeah. but but it's still stupid that we had to keep returning to this silly little plot that they, they, they put in silly little plot <laughs> I do think one thing that, that this film does that I'd even say is uh, better than what is in the original is what the fuck you say you see it's Norman's performance 
you see Norman speaking as mother in this. There's a point where he's in the he's dressed up as mother and he speaks and they've obviously dubbed over whatever the woman's voice who voices Norma Bates and, and his imagination. Um, which is something that I think the original did need to show because other people hear this shrill old lady's voice and we're just expected to believe in every other movie when, we, when other people hear this that like, yeah, I guess that's just Norman doing an old lady voice and he's just got a really dynamic high range. Yeah, yeah. Could have been and a the, voice actor in another life. And it's like, I can believe that, but it, it would be helpful if you showed me him talking like that mm. because it's hard to believe when you when you don't or, or don't show other people hearing her because that's what happens in the original. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in issue 57 of Fangoria magazine, screenwriter Charles Edward Pogue revealed that the plot of the original script, uh, revealed the plot of the original script and said that in this version, it was Dwayne Duke, who is Jeff Fahey's character. He was the killer and had intentionally come to the Bates Motel because he was obsessed with Norman. Maureen, the nun, was a neurotic psychologist who'd come to the motel to replace Dr. Raymond from the previous film, um, and Pogue had intentionally to cast janet lee as maureen so like a, a doppelganger of um marion very Craig. vertigo yeah yeah um universal rejected these ideas arguing that bates had to be the killer and that lee was wrong for the film however maureen's actions remained virtually unchanged her character was merely changed to a young nun i kind of like a lot of these ideas probably more than <laughs> the the movie we got i think part of me is a bit bummed that that norman goes psycho again and i think the successful rehabilitation of a man is a maybe more interesting story and if duke had been the killer who's like inspired by him that's a pretty good idea like a nugget of an idea to do a psycho movie around yeah. um what do you think yeah the 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 janet lee thing is crazy hmm that's interesting but yeah i think the like you say yeah the the jeff hay thing i think that's probably where i thought the film was going and even there's even a bit where he confronts jeff hay and he's like and and the language of the filmmaking made me think oh this will be where he reveals that he's actually the killer but then he's like i know you're the killer and i'm gonna extort you and then he fights him and ends up killing um norman ends up killing him but no, I agree. I think I think that would be a more interesting place to take it. Yeah. One thing I want to just bring up about Psycho 3, mm-hmm. and this is going to be really fun for our listeners, mm. the, uh, the poster for this film fucking sucks. <laughs> I hate it so much. Every time I saw Anthony Perkins staring at me, offering me a key with mm. this weird fucking look on his face, mm. it's, it's such an ugly fucking poster, and it just... It shows how far we've fallen from Psycho telling right. us that we won't be admitted into the cinema after <laughs> yeah. some time. He just looks so stupid. Can you describe the look on his face? It's sort of, it's it's like, what it is, is that I think what makes Norman Bates a compelling character is he doesn't want to be Psycho. This is Norman, this is Anthony Perkins wanting to appear Psycho. Yeah. And, and it, it uh, undermines the character. Like... He's so good in the first film. <laughs> like, when they first meet each other and he's, like, checking her in, he's the perfect combination of, like, awkward and charming and shy 
and it's it's such a good performance and then here he's got this weird fucking oh i might be a psycho kind of look about him (laughs) here's a key to bates motel Mm. and it's like anthony baby (laughs) you you you've you've misread what worked about about your character Mm. i mean and it, it sucks that an actor like anthony perkins would be wasted on a director like Anthony Perkins. <laughs> I, to, in his defense, he really did. I don't think he wanted to direct it. I think I was reading. I could like, bloody tell. He could ask. He asked someone. Uh, um, I can't remember who, but he asked someone else to co-direct it with him, and they were like, "Nah, dog, that's all you." Um, and yeah, I don't know if he did as good of a job direct, like as an actor. I wouldn't say it's a necessarily a poorly directed film. Uh, I think that's he was qu- quite fine. thorough in a lot of his like scene blocking, and there was. A lot of people mm. reportedly were quite surprised at how competent of a director he was, I think. But wow. that's and that's... how incompetent of an actor he was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um I couldn't find any dumb IMDB trivia or anything really for this, so we can quickly move on. Well, to... we had a dumb poster for the film, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about um, a dumb whole movie in uh, 1987's Bates Motel, directed by Richard Rothstein. Uh, This doesn't have a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, This is not part of the, like, same canon as the the three we've just talked about and uh, four, which came out after this. But what is Bates Motel about? Bates Motel is, like, it ignores Psycho 2 and 3. It technically ignores Psycho in a lot of ways. It feels more like <laughs> it's a a sequel to the novel than a sequel right, to, sure. to it's, the um, original movie. It's very clearly, it feels like it's set up to be a TV pilot. Yeah. Which it was. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a different guy and Jason Bateman's in it. So Jason Bateman, I think you mean Norman Bates, but Jason Bateman literally is in it. Yeah. yeah. So it's about a guy named Alex West, played by Bud, someone. Bud. Court. Court. Bud Court. Weird looking dude. Bud Court. When you yeah yeah yeah. So <laughs> when um, when we had a when we have a disagreement and we have to go to Bud Court. <laughs> So when Alex West was eight years old, he murdered his his abusive stepfather and was sent to some sort of institution where he was taken under the wing of Norman Bates after the first film. Um, And after Norman's death, uh, he bequeaths Bates Motel to Alex. And if you guys haven't seen this movie, I think this is one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. Because... And not in a fun way either. It's like a movie that just doesn't understand the like elements it's playing with because so little of it is a horror. It's essentially, we bought a zoo, but with a motel instead of a zoo. <laughs> Right? Like, so he gets them, he gets, and he inherits the motel and he, like, goes to the bank to get a loan to build it up. And none of this is spooky or scary. <laughs> he just convinces a banker, yep, you can have the money. Um, he runs into this this woman who decides to help him. Her name is, is Willie. And they, together, they have sort of like a, a very close friendship. Um, the fact that um, 
Like, he... A lot of the plot outlines for this movie are like a mentally disturbed man inherits a motel or like after Norman Bates' death, a disturbed young man. Like he's not a disturbed, he's, no, he's a normal guy. <laughs> like whatever disturbing past he has is not played by Bud Court in the portrayal of the character. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have like voices. He doesn't, he's just a guy. And um, so, yeah, it's just him renovating a fucking motel for most of it. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There are horror elements, like he starts seeing Mrs. Bates around. They dig up um, her bones and stuff. You know, they dig up skeletons and stuff. So it's not like the horror isn't there, but it's divorced from the other sections of the movie. Um, There's not this tone of suspense that is maintained throughout the movie um and so this this whole thing is them like like the a big a big stakes moment is like we've got to make ten thousand dollars by tomorrow or the bank is going to to to, to claim there's a talent quest for exactly ten thousand (laughs) dollars i mean it is not too far away from that so in the final and i'm not kidding it's like the final 30 minutes of the movie (laughs) Um, a woman turns up to Bates Motel and he's like, oh, you're our first, The Norman, uh, Norman Alex is like, you're our first customer ever. She buys her, she says she's a writer and he's like, oh, great. Um, she's like, I just want some peace and quiet. They give her a room. She goes to a room and then a whole party turns up of like college kids. Um, and meanwhile, in the uh, in this lady's bedroom and a content warning for suicide as well, she uh it turns out she's actually depressed and she's going to kill herself but before she can one of these students from this college campus this is when the last 30 minutes of the movie turns up (laughs) and is like hey come party with us and she's like no no i'm old i'm like 37 years old and i've been married three times and and the the teenager's like no just come party with us and so she goes into the foyer and there's a big disco going on and then she's like the this this teenage girl's like meet my friend and she introduces uh, her to a fresh, fresh-faced Jason Bateman, mm. who um, they dance together for about a minute, and then he tries to kiss her, and she wants it, but then is like, no, no, I'm too old, which in real life is the correct uh, <laughs> decision to make when you're in your 30s and a 17 year old tries to kiss you but in the film this is presented as like a she's standing in in her own way kind of like Mm. vibe right jason bateman then leaves the the disco and and goes and and slumps outside where he's all upset and she goes and talks to him where she's like you've got your whole life ahead of you like you don't need to be to be talking to an old lady like me and then they hug and he says thank you for everything and i was like for everything you danced for a minute. 
and nearly kissed each other. Like he probably like, got a big stiffy doing it. Though. But it's 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 the it's the we needed to see the stiffy. We needed to see the stiffy, and it needed the movie needed to be called Psycho Stiffy. Uh, <laughs> no, but, stiffy but it's, Motel. It's it's like it's like the the dialogue is that of like a whole movie that we've just seen where these this, these two people have gone on this mm. like big emotional journey but they haven't gone on a big emotional journey anyway she goes she says goodbye to him she goes back to her room again this is in the last 30 minutes of a movie that has not been about her at all uh and then when she gets back to her motel she picks up the the knife or whatever she, the razor blade or whatever she was going to use and then the girl is back and she's like so we couldn't talk you out of it huh and she's like what do you mean and she goes outside and all of the college students are like sitting there in their cars like watching her and they each go around and talk about how surprise they actually have all committed suicide and these are actually ghosts and they were there to convince her not to do it um including jason bateman and so then um they she she decides okay i won't kill myself and then the next morning she gets she wakes up and alex is there and she's like hey and he's like hey did you have a good night? She's like, yeah, it was great. And then she leaves. And then I wrote this down. Alex uh, watches her leave and then looks to the screen and says, if you ever need a room, come on by. I can't say for sure what you'll find, but that is what makes the world go round. Which is like, that's what makes the world go round. Like there is a nugget of like a good end line in there. It's weird that he's talking to the camera, but like to end it with- Just say if you ever need a room, come on by. Yeah, that's what makes the world go round. It is, this is so weird and so strange, (laughs) but not at all in a fun way. It's like, just like, it's dumb. It's a stupid movie. Yeah. Um, And in case, yep forgot i watched it <laughs> this is easily the worst psycho movie i think um uh, and i i think you you'd be hard pressed finding someone who disagrees with you on that well no someone commented on my letterboxd review and was like i thought this was fun so well, i don't that know person is dumb <laughs> uh, in case it wasn't obvious already bates motel was indeed intended to be a feature-length pilot to a tv show which presumably explains an entire story arc which is introduced and resolved within the final 30 minutes of the film um and alex's piece to camera at the at the end i would imagine each episode of the show would have been like Alex running the motel and then a monster of the week B story happening like a yeah. twilight zone situation Foster's home for people who have killed themselves but no it would be like a different phenomenon each episode and it's sure. more that that Bates motel is a nexus point for strange yeah, goings yeah, yeah. on it's, it's it's a um and Alex West has to ferry souls to the afterlife yeah something like that which is you know not a bad idea for a show but it's also not psycho it's not yeah. That's not what it's psycho not a psycho about. idea. <laughs> we only it's actually fairly level psycho headed. fucking ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was not picked up for a series. Uh, Anthony Perkins apparently called this film just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he could. I thought he had ruined his reputation after Psycho Three, <laughs> but he's he's got me back. What did you think of Jason Bateman, little baby, baby Bateman? I was like, the whole time I was like, fuck, that looks like Jason Bateman. And then, yeah, his name was in the credits. I was like, ah, that's why. <laughs> um, and you'll be happy to know, Richard, that uh, now playing podcast reviewed Bates Motel. Really? Yeah. This seems way out of the Yeah, the it does, ones. doesn't it? They The film received three not recommends. Wow. 
this is weird and i kind of resent having to watch it because it muddies the water of the franchise it's a weird mm. movie and i don't even it's not again it's not a weird the weird kind of thing that you you should check out everybody it's on youtube it's the easiest one to watch oh really um, I didn't but, know yeah it's on youtube but it's it's bad it's it's so weird yeah. it has a 36 percent audience score but that doesn't really mean anything yeah yeah who cares um so moving on then swiftly moving on to psycho 4 the beginning which was released in 1990. This was directed by Mick Garris, who is a name we've heard on the podcast before. Richard, what else did Mick Garris direct? <coughs> That's my answer. He directed Critters 2, the main course, which wow. I swear, I was like, how many times have I revealed that a director directed Critters 2, the main course? But this is the first one. So it must be just critters that we've covered, covered the director for multiple times. Uh, he also directed the the other The Shining, the 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 one that that the less famous oh, yeah. Shining adaptation. Yeah, this uh, doesn't have a uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes uh, because it was a TV, a made for TV film, but it does have a thirty three audience percent score, which is lower than Bates Motel. Um, what is Psycho Four: The Beginning about? Uh, so this is like a um a real what you call it um godfather 2 situation <laughs> where it's part prequel part sequel so there's a radio talk show going on about people who kill who commit matricide killing their mums mm. and norman bates calls up and is like i'm norman bates and i love to kill mums and they're <laughs> like keep him on the line get him talking about his life and mm. then we um you see the, see the murders that were alluded to in the original yeah. film. And he's like, yeah, all, the, all that happened is this girl wanted to have sex with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is also revealed that Norman is, modern day Norman is married and his wife uh, is pregnant, uh, which she got that way by lying to Norman, who told her he didn't want kids. And so he, the whole movie is like him planning to murder his wife because he believes that their child will inherit the, uh, the psycho. Uh, mm. But in the end, she, he nearly this movie should be called don't be, don't catch the psycho. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, he makes her meet at, at the old Mrs. Bates mansion um, where he tries to murder her, but then she manages to talk him down and realize that the that he's he's you know he's all good now, um, and that he's he's yeah, uh, and then he sets the the mansion on fire and has to confront his demons. What wow. do you think of this film? Didn't like it. No. No, I think it doesn't make any sense. Why it's uh, it's called Psycho for the beginning, but he's actually Psycho for the whole film. Mm. <laughs> Very good thank um, you very much this is the only i thought this is so weird this is the only sequel that reuses the like, isn't it weird yeah. that you'd have that like the big piece of iconography from the original and you never use it again until the made for tv fourth entry <laughs> yeah. um similar to two and three i didn't see this film as entirely without value i think this is the only um, this is the only official t entry which is made for TV, so there's definitely like a TV show structure to yeah. it. You you said it was a it, Godfather it, it fades two to ads and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You said it was a Godfather two 
situation. I actually would would call it a Tomb Raider Chronicles situation, which okay. is um, Tomb Raider Chronicles is like everyone thinks Lara Croft is dead, so they all sit around in a room and tell swap stories about her, and you play the stories that people are swapping. So this nice. is he's on he's on the radio, and he talks about um, you know either the first person I killed, etc. This was written by Joseph Stefano, most well known for writing the screenplay for Psycho, as the original guy came back to write this one. This that feels like it's a <laughs> like I feel like that happens. That's happened more than once, right? And where it's like four nights, yeah, or just in film that where it's like I feel this has definitely happened before. Where where some one of the main creative voices has returned, for Rocky. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky. director of rocky the, the director terrible the worst rocky yeah. yeah i liked that this uh film wasn't afraid to confront the incestuous implications of norma and his mum which have always hovered over the story his mum is like a it's the first time we've ever seen her like as a living person in this mm. film in the flashbacks and it, it's creepy it's too creepy for tv and that was kind of cool he she like mm. they like roll around on the floor together and she just discovers he's got a boner and scolds him and 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 all this sort of thing um and i just i was like there man like go dark with it like you've got to go dark with it um and i really i thought the ending was was cool i thought the mansion being set on fire was some nice symbolism i thought it was weird that um the radio storyline the like framing device sort of just disappears for the final act cch pounder (laughs) plays the uh radio host and she's just left being like is he gonna kill his wife and then we don't go back to her um (laughs) uh, i thought it was a bit confusing that the flashbacks don't play in order and there's like a kid who's playing young norman it's actually uh henry thomas who you might recognize as elliot from et is is young norman (laughs) (laughs) um and and so like it goes to like this is um the first woman that mother made me kill this is the second woman that mother made me kill then it's like then back before i killed anyone i had this experience (laughs) with mother (laughs) and then it's like and this is when i killed mother and it's like this feels like i don't know like it's it's just a bit like messy i guess in that in that area but yeah according to imdb anthony perkins and psycho 3 screenwriter charles edward pogue originally pitched an idea for psycho 4 that had norman's house and motel getting turned into a tourist attraction for horror weekends Uh, norman then escapes from a mental institution with a mute patient and the actor who was set to play norman bates for the horror weekend quits and norman comes home and gets hired to play himself Uh, pogue claims that it was meant to be a black comedy but Universal opposed the idea. It sounds like a um, Texas Chainsaw Human Zero. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Like the mm. the satirical. The, you know, yeah. we can't we can't match the prestige of the original. So let's make it a comedy. Make fun of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I like that idea. I probably like that idea more than any of the other sequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, feel like it wouldn't have been pulled off though. Yeah. No. Totally. You're totally right. I think. I think this is the worst of the the official sequels, uh, though it is cocky enough that uh, it 
ignores two and three. It's it's widely believed to be a direct sequel to Psycho. Um, Stefano did not like the sequels, um, and so because Norman in this film is a free man, um, but mm. it could just as easily be set thirty years after he was originally imprisoned, as opposed to the four years since he was put back in prison in Psycho three. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We've got to talk. I want to talk about Anthony Perkins, Richard, and I've got a sad story. Wow. Content warning for some abuse, among other wow. things here. Um, but Anthony Perkins, while filming Psycho Four, am I going to feel bad for saying he's bad in the third one? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think you're going to regret it because it sounds like he was a great dude, like a progressive, wow. like feminist in the sixties. You know, that's like not not the kind of like. Not the popular opinion for for Reagan-esque times, I guess. Um, But he was diagnosed with HIV while shooting Psycho 4 and actually died in 1992, so two years after Psycho 4, um, of AIDS-related pneumonia. He was 60. Uh, Perkins' Wikipedia page is very long, uh, but it sounds like the guy had a pretty, like, tragic life. Um, So he he was secretly maybe secretly gay uh but and reportedly only engaged in same-sex relationships until his 30s uh, most notably with actor tab hunter artist christopher marcos and dance choreographer grover dale who was a lot of people i think consider to be the love of his life uh, was grover dale but he ended his seven-year relationship with grover dale in 1971 so uh, before Psycho 2, um, and would soon undergo conversion therapy, uh, which included sh- electroshock therapy and pressure to sleep with women um, from a, a psychiatrist. Uh, he married actress Barry Berenson in 1973, and the two stayed together until his death 19 years later. Uh, she herself would die only nine years after this as a passenger on American Airlines Flight 11, the plane which was hijacked and crashed into the first World Trade Center tower on September 11th, 2001. Oh, that was like, do you know how I discovered that? I was yeah. like, I was on the Wikipedia page for Anthony Perkins and I was just sort of like jotting down notes and I hovered over Barry Berenson to, just to check if she was an actress because I was like, what? Yeah. I want to be a like, married actress, Barry Berenson. Hovered over it, and in the opening paragraph that it displayed was like, she died in 9-11. And I was like, what the fuck? So like, I had this paragraph here that goes from like, um, this tragic love story to conversion therapy to AIDS death to 9-11. <laughs> it's That's crazy stuff. Insane. Mm. Um, Perkins also interestingly had quite an abusive mother he said he was sexually abused by her and said uh, she was constantly touching me and caressing me not realising what effect she was having she would touch me all over even stroking the inside of my thighs right up to my crotch and also stated that he became jealous of his own father and said it was an Oedipal thing in a pronounced form I loved him but I also wanted him to be dead so I could have her all to myself imagine playing norman bates and having felt those feelings for real in your life uh, i can't imagine it (laughs) that is crazy i thought it was so interesting it it feels like there's a lot more to dig into with uh, um Mm. anthony perkins life but that's that's the broad strokes of it i thought it was pretty interesting um his his family were like he was gay like they didn't they didn't like that people described him as bisexual. They said that, it, that, the you know, it was all just a, a, a front for whatever reason that mm. he had to want to not be gay. But yeah, pretty sad and died in, in 1992 at only 60 years old. Um, a lot of the original 
cast of Psycho are dead now. They, I, I, I believe the only person who's still alive um, from the like heavy hitters of the original film was the woman that played Lila Loomis um, or Lila oh. Crane. She's the only one that's still alive today. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now it's time to talk about the final film in the Psycho Yay. franchise. And this came out in 1998. It was called Psycho. It was directed by <laughs> Gus Van Sant. Uh, what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Sure. 32. 38. Uh, and what is it about? <laughs> it's never before has the statement been truer that it is just the first film over again. Yes, this is a uh, remake of the first film, but not only a remake, it is famously one of, uh, I can't think of any other examples, of a basically a shot-for-shot shot remake uh, where mm. the camera movements, the setups... Um, the locations, the direction, the sc- the same script was used. Uh, this is it's, it is designed to look identical to the first film. We'll go into some small differences soon. But mm. um, what did you think of Psycho 1998? It, it's it's fascinating. Mm. It is. Um, I I'm glad this film exists. Yeah, totally. One film like this has to exist at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, people like it doesn't it doesn't take away the original film, nothing. It's a fascinating experiment. Mm. And it's because and Gus Van Sant is by no means a bad director, but came off Goodwill Hunting to do this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's yeah, it's this really interesting sort of look into what a director actually does and mm. there's so much of of this you can't put your finger on itness about <laughs> what's <bad>. not <laughs> as good <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and yeah it's it's um yeah i i mean a lot of it is the performances aren't as good mm, yeah and a lot of the kind of dated filmmaking techniques don't play as well and Mm. with 1998 cameras and yeah, yeah. performances and, and like styles of performance and everything but yeah i i'm sure you've written down stuff of this because i've heard varying sorts of things over the years about like why mm. gus actually made this yeah 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 so once again stating what i've said about every single psycho film after the first film this is at least interesting uh it's probably <laughs> my least favorite uh, outside of bates motel of the whole franchise mm. but i also think it is the most interesting one um yeah one of the most interesting films ever made yeah yeah totally um and hey at least it shortens the movie ruining psychiatrist monologue from the first film the, the reason <laughs> i i took the first film down half a star is short and truncated in this version <laughs> um i do have to say my watch of this film was impaired richard because unbeknownst to me I was accidentally Chromecasting the film twice at the same time because of VLC's fucky Chromecasting capability. Mm. So the it was mo- I mostly couldn't didn't notice it, but when the striking theme music would play at random times, um, I would be like, "Why is the music playing now?" Like she'd be like mm-hmm. writing the note and it would start playing, and I'd be like, "What the fuck?" And I'd hear. But then the film is kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is equally as confusing. Um, 
And also, uh, occasionally I would hear a dialogue from another scene playing underneath the characters. <laughs> and But combined with like surreal imagery, which flashes on the screen during the murders, mm. I just assumed this was a very strange but intentional creative decision that it's like... Gus like, Van so, yeah, like when when they're talking to the sheriff and they they learn the truth about Norma Bates, it was playing Norma talking to to Norman under it, and mm-hmm. I was like, this is like it didn't not not fit, and so mm. I was like, there's nothing wrong with it, and it wasn't until the final scene that I realized this was happening, and that's so insane. I, I watched the final scene in peace. <laughs> Holy shit. The opening happened and the, the remixed version of the, the famous theme tune started playing and I was like, this sucks. It's all off beat and off rhythm, but it's probably because <laughs> I was listening to it like 30 seconds apart from each other. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so yeah, before before watching this film, I was so curious about how a film could be so poorly received, and it was very poorly received, um, when it's f- faithful. it was such a faithful recreation of the original. And as it started, I was like, Anne Hesh is pretty good as Marion Crane. It's a different performance, mm-hmm. but it's it's not bad. It's all right. Uh, and then Vince Vaughn showed up, and he fucking sucks as Norman Bates. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand how Vince Vaughn was cast as Norman Bates. I think he is a massive reason why the mm. film tanked, critically. I think he's terrible in this. I can't imagine why they cast him. Why would you cast Norman? Like... Vince Vaughn is Norman Bates. It's so weird. And, yeah, and- I do want to um, play one of our favorite little games of finding out how old is Anthony Perkins in Psycho and then finding... Okay, so he was born in 1932, so he would have been 28 in Psycho. So we're looking for an actor who was born in 1970, mm-hmm. who would have been 28 in 1998. Yep. In 19... 19- 70. Uh, so we're looking who could have played Matt Damon. I mean, Goodwill Hunting had just happened. Yeah. I don't think it'd be a bad cast. Ethan Hawke. Yep. Oh, Ethan Hawke would be great. Yeah. If he hadn't died, River Phoenix would have been great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like Vince Vaughn has a very specific pedigree. And especially yeah. in 1998. And it is not this kind of role. I, yeah. I just thought he sucked. I thought he was Matthew so bad. Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Matthew Lillard? Yeah. I don't know if Matthew Lillard would. Vince so, Vaughn? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so Vince Vaughn is 28 in the film. So Vaughn feels like he's intentionally underemphasizing all the iconic lines from the original. So like yeah, yeah. in the in the original Anthony Perkins is like, oh, we all go a little mad sometimes, and that's like a sound beat, you know, that's like a, a sound bite. Mm. That's a that's an iconic piece of, of audio or a boy's best friend is his mother. Like, you know, we're quoting these things because they stick out in mm. the film. But he he, you know, as and, and it's sort of as another acting term, he's throwing them away. Like he's throwing these lines yeah. away. Yeah. Boy's best friend's his mother. Kind, I mean, he's not doing the Vince Vaughn voice, but that is kind of what he's doing. And it, and even though it's it's like it's it's a good thing, it'd be also bad if he emphasised them. But because yeah. he's underemphasising them, it feels distinctly intentional. Feels like he's doing it on purpose. That he's like, we all go a little mad sometimes, and it's like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Sorry, give us <laughs> Um, according to IMDb, I do have some other actors here that were um. Ooh. Um, 
uh, apparently considered. Um, so, and I don't know if this is true. This is just on IMDb. We got Toby Maguire would have been great. Christian Bale would have been great. Uh, Robert Sean Leonard, who's House's best friend in House. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also in um, uh, uh, Dead Poets Society with Ethan Hawke. Yep. Um, Henry Thomas, who played Elliot in E.T. <laughs> um, Joaquin Phoenix, who I think would have been good. But I reckon the best person in running, and probably the least famous out of all of these, Jeremy Davies was apparently considered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For Norman Bates. He would have fucking killed it as Norman Bates. He would have yeah. been so good. For those who don't know who Jeremy Davies is, he's Faraday on Lost. Lost. Faraday yeah. on Lost. He's also the... Um, the private who's too scared to go upstairs and saving private ryan mm-hmm. he's in a, he was he's the in dad a few... of the black phone recently right there you go yeah he's in he's in a few he's in a lot of tv done a lot of tv work mm. um he would have been so good as norman bates it would have been that pop- awkward charming sinister. yeah 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 it'd almost be like a career making performance if he'd gone mm. the role he could have been in the internship with arm wilson <laughs> it could, could have had it all <laughs> Um, also, according to IMDb, at the time of the film's release, it was felt by some critics that Vince Vaughn and Viggo Mortensen, who plays Sam Loomis in the film, should have switched roles. Um, as the Absolutely, that, that yeah. Mortensen could play a creepy role and Vaughn can easily play, quote, a normal guy. <laughs> and that's, that feels obvious as well. I could totally imagine. Uh, uh, Viggo Mortensen's a lot older, but yeah. that's fine. Like, I don't care how old Norman Bates is, you know. Mm. I think he would have been a great Norman Bates. Um, Casey Silver, the uh, then head of production at Universal Pictures, felt that a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho was, quote, a very strange idea. The idea of remaking a classic like Psycho just seems like a dangerous business to get into. Um, Mm -hmm. And when asked why he wanted to remake the film in this manner, Van Sant responded, why not? It's a marketing scheme. Why does a studio ever remake a film? Because they have this little thing they've forgotten about that they could put in the marketplace and make money from which is an intensely cynical answer to that mm. question. Um, but yeah, apparently he began... Well, I, 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 it's it's one of these, yeah, you're, you're taking your complaints of Hollywood and taking it to the extreme and being like, yeah, why not just do this? Mm. And yeah, like I've heard quotes from Gus Van Sant where he's like, why did you remake Psycho? He says, so no one else would. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, He began with the vision of remaking the film entirely shot for shot, stating that he and the crew uh, started out being fanatical about doing it exactly the same, but early into filming, uh, realized that it wasn't going to work out. He said that there were a couple of scenes where we just couldn't get it right. We couldn't see how Hitchcock did the blocking, where people were supposed to be standing in relation to the camera. So all we could do was loosely base them on the original, which it's fine. I think it plays yeah. still um there are a few notable differences between this and the original that i've I noted down um as mentioned like surreal imagery flashes on screen mm. like subliminal like stuff during the murder scenes which i don't really understand but it, it is there um i also noticed that the various prices for things like marion's new car the cost of the motel room mm. and even the money marion steals were all adjusted for inflation so it was mm. 40 grand in the original now it's 400 grand um norman vince vaughn jerks off when spying on marion in her yeah. hotel room motel room which was not in the original at all um and well uh, it's, it's interesting because i i i I've read that that's like a confirming something that was long rumored to be in the original, you know? Right, right. 
Um, and finally, uh, Lila Crane mentions grabbing her Walkman before they head out at one point nice. because that's her character thing. She has a Walkman that she listens to, played by Julianne Moore. The, the cast of Outside of Vince Vaughn, you've got Anne Hesh as Marion Crane, Julianne Moore as Lila Crane, um, Vigo Monson as Sam Loomis, and William H. Macy as Abergast, the detective. Mm. And also Robert Forster. Yeah, who does he play? He was like just a detective. At he, the he's end. the monologuing detective at the end. Right, there you go. Or the psychiatrist, yeah. Yeah. So, and let's talk about Anne Hesh. Because mm-hmm. if you'd asked me... So I, up until watching this film, and still kind of... I only know two things about Anne Hesh. Mm-hmm. One is that you can see her butthole in Psycho. And two, that she died like two months ago in a car accident. Did she? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, she... she, she, she um, Gone to oh, a very serious car accident. I'm, oh my god! Yes, and then was taken off life support after being. That's right. Oh no, I was reading about that. That's why I recognised the name. Oh my god, that's sad. That's so sad. Um, but yeah, it's just it was this weird thing where like, for some reason, I think I think there's a song called Anne Heche's Butthole. There's a tweet by Seth Rogen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Seth Rogen, um, first of all, when people say you can see her butthole, it's where after she's been stabbed and the sister, I love, I love on the show how we take every talking subject as seriously as the last, <laughs> like, like we're just talking about like the, the tragic life of Anthony Perkins and like a nine 11 connection. And they're like the thing with the butthole, um, <laughs> is, is after she gets killed in the shower, she like tumbles out of the bath and is sort of in like a prone position against the the rim of the bath so it's not like it's like a close-up of her butthole it's like yeah, yeah. it's from not above. like the, the iconic spinning shot instead <laughs> of her eye it's her butthole no it's it's a bird's eye view of her falling out of the bath and like and it and um and downward dog i'm gonna say it you can't really see her you can't really see her butthole not yeah. it's if you can it's like a couple of pixels yeah but in researching this to see if uh, uh, Seth Rogen's claim in 2014 that the only butthole ever seen in mainstream film was Anne Hesh and Psycho, and, and researching to see if that was still true, I stumbled across uh, Goatsy for the first time uh, wow. by accident. I saw, uh, or I don't think it was, I think it was a similar picture to Goatsy, uh, and that uh, ruined my day. Uh, but And that's all I have to say about the shower scene <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the Psycho remake. But yeah, it was just, it was just this weird thing that... I- I don't know how I like learnt this because I actually hadn't seen the Seth Rogen tweet until today when I was trying to work out how I knew this and mm. yeah, and, and to confirm that for some reason somewhere in my mind I was like is there a song called Anish's Butthole <laughs> that I yeah I was like the only things I know about the Psycho remake and so when it was like yeah Anne Heche died it was like oh the woman whose butthole you can see in the Psycho remake that was all like that was literally the only thing I knew about her um anyway rest in peace Rest in peace. Uh, so there are a few um, there are a few th- other things I want to talk about uh, before we, we head into the segments. Um, Roger Ebert gave this 1.5 stars. Um, and he said of the masturbation, Norman jerking off while spying on Marion, he said um, that this scene, this change was appropriate because this new psycho evokes the real thing and an attempt to recreate remembered passion. 
which is something only Roger Ebert uh, could write. He also went on to say the rest of the film is an invaluable experiment in the theory of cinema because it demonstrates that a shot-by-shot remake is pointless. Genius apparently resides between between or beneath the shots or in chemistry that cannot be timed or counted, which is a great point and um, modern reevaluations of the remake aren't exactly more positive with gus van sant himself saying that it proved that no one can really copy a film exactly the same way as the original it is widely seen more now as a worthy experiment um than than anything else um an ally weekly retrospective concluded that experiments don't always have to work to be worth doing um, which I think I agree with. Uh, yeah. But uh, bringing it into the into modern film discourse, uh, according to IMDb, director Ty West, who's doing the X-Pearl movies, oh, yeah. um, he has been one of the few defenders of Psycho 1998. He argues that Van Sant, as a director, by remaking Psycho completely shot for shot, was experimenting and creating a commentary on the, on the quality of the film. By taking a beloved classic that has been worshipped and acclaimed since its release by critics and film scholars, the fact that the shot for shot remake was so derived upon release is, to uh, Ty West, a fascinating result this, uh, of this particular experiment, since Van Sant took a great film and copied this completely. So yeah, a lot of what people think of it now is like it's pretty fucking interesting. Yeah, have you seen? Did you read um or hear Gus Van Sant's um what he was like talked about it on the on Mark Maron's podcast? No, no. What do you say? Because it's like there's quite interesting like going into full detail of like how it came up. Um, so yeah, this kind of kind of long, but. Since the whole reason behind it, I think the process of doing it was the learning. It wasn't necessarily the result. It wasn't really about learning about Hitchcock. It was more that during the nineties, the joke that the executives, the a joke about the executives, was that they would rather make a sequel than they would an original piece because there was less risk. They would rather continue a story that's already known in the public, and they were really searching for some way to do that. Now they've found out like comics is the way to do that, but back in the nineties, they hadn't found that yet. When I did Drugstore Cowboy, which was made in 1989, I was all of a sudden meeting with the heads of studios because they knew the actors would work with me. Therefore, if they got me on their movie, they could get the actor they wanted. So it was less about me than it was about the actors. During one of the meetings, Casey Silver at Universal brought in all of his vice presidents and one guy was head of the library and said, in the library, we have old films you could remake. We have scripts that haven't been made yet that you can make. And it just reminded me of that thing they wanted to do, which is remake something. And I said, what you guys haven't done is try to take a hit and remake it exactly rather than remake it and put a new spin on it. Just remake it for real because I'd never seen that done yet as an experiment. The whole thing seemed experimental to me anyway. So I thought, why not? And they laughed. They thought it was silly, ridiculous, absurd. And they left. They said, won't be doing that. And then um it says as it turns out being nominated for best director oscar changed their tune very quick he says every time i would meet with casey i would bring it up and i locked in on psycho i'm not sure why psycho but it just seemed like the movie that would work the best i would bring it up again and they would laugh again and then later when we did goodwill hunting and it did really well at the box office it also got nominated for nine oscars or something but what they like to do the week before the Oscars happen is they like to get new deals in place with the people that are nominated because as soon as you win, they've got your movie saying they can lean over to their buddies at the Oscars and say, we've got that guy's next movie. Then they forget that they have it after the night's over. So they were trying to make a deal with me and I had a deal with Paramount. I had a deal at some other studio and my agent was saying, Universal really wants to do a deal with you. What have you got for them? And I was like, Universal, oh, Universal. Oh yeah. Tell them Psycho, frame by frame, new cast, in color. That's the idea. 
and then the agent calls back and says they think that's fantastic so all of a sudden they were in <laughs> ah um, i wish it was good now you know yeah. like it, it just seems so interesting fucking vince vaughn man yeah fucking vince vaughn nice um, well and then yeah danny alfman was like don't do this they'll kill you <laughs> he'll kill me everyone the critics everybody that loves psycho that will, will kill you um and then um danny alfman ended up doing a lot of the music the, the but, score yeah. yeah 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 well i got some dumb imdb trivia to close out the psycho 98 discussion mm-hmm. uh norman's first scene where he and marion meet was vince vaughn's first day shooting he was very nervous and could hardly contain the nervous energy his character is his character is to portray on screen viewing the dailies for that day it was plainly obvious vaughn's performance wouldn't do director gus van sant quickly deciding on reshooting his first day however rather than blame the performance for the requisite reshoots van sant told the producers he didn't like the motel room keys affixed to the wall at the desk register and wanted them altered so vince vaughn mm. they knew he was bad from day one mm. <laughs> um it was and- nice of him, though. Yeah, and according to the Psycho Movies website, some diehard Hitchcock fans boycotted the movie during the world premiere in LA with picket signs. It is often considered by many to be the worst remake of any film ever made, says wow. the... So that's more a dumb the Psycho Movies website than a dumb yeah, yeah. Um, IMDb trivia thing. But I love that. I love that they're like, yeah, it's the worst. Everyone thinks it's the worst one. Everyone thinks it's the worst <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Richard, we talk about titles a lot on this podcast and i've yeah. got nothing to say about the psycho titles not really well but then I, let's move on oh. i do want to talk about taglines because and i cool. think maybe with a horror franchise this maybe should be a regular segment on horror yeah, franchise yeah, sure. episodes because the the ta- a movie can be made by its tagline so i've got all six taglines for you here some of them are unnotable some of them i think are really cool so the original psychos had a whole bunch of like don't spoil it you're not allowed in oh. late etc etc but there's another one that was a new and altogether different screen excitement which is, is, is <laughs> i love quite... old school taglines yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like wow uh, yeah like the the idea that that is actually enough to sell someone on it yeah exactly psycho 2 is it's 22 years later and norman bates is coming home uh, which well, isn't the bad night he came home yep psycho 3 is norman bates is back to normal but mother's off her rocker again <laughs> <laughs> uh bates motel was norman bates may be gone but his motel lives on <laughs> psycho 4 the beginning was before the terror can end see how it all began and in what might be one of my favorite taglines of all time, the wow. Psycho remake tagline is, check in, relax, take a shower. That's like <laughs> the best thing about the film. <laughs> the, poster's, the poster's really cool as yeah, well. Yeah, it's is, like yeah. a hand, a bloody hand on a shower curtain. Again, it's like something that only works because it's a remake and it's got like mm. all of that stuff sitting it's there. It's baked in, yeah. Mm-mm. All right, now it's time for our segment called Meeting of the Elders, which is where uh, if you donate to our cult elder tier over on patreon.com slash coldpopshow, you will get invited to a secret little room in our Discord called Cult Elders where uh, you can tell us your thoughts about the film. Richard, do you want to run through the psycho thoughts? They they start a bit up from yeah, where yeah. I... Um, yeah, uh, so Dan from Bates Motel said, ignore this if you've already talked about it on the pod. But is this the first shot for shot remake you've covered? If not, what struck you about this attempt? I, I, I'm looking at, it's definitely the first one we've covered, but it, 
I'm looking at this funny games I know was remade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I've seen I can't remember if I've seen both versions, but there's a movie called LOL. I just hit my desk. I've seen LOL. Yeah, and um I I, th- I think I might have seen both versions. That, I haven't um, seen the, was, the Miley Cyrus one. I've seen the It was a French film that was remade with uh Miley Cyrus, but there's I remember there's a scene in um in the American like there was a scene in both films, it was a shop shop remake, where the mother and daughter are having and the mother and teenage daughter are having a bath together. And it's one of these things that like, you know, in, in Europe it's like, yeah, fine, you know, whatever. Like they, that's how they do things in France. And then in the American version, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> uh, it's just just doesn't translate. Um apparently the Omen two thousand six is almost a shop shop remake as well. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. And um oh there's the let me in, let the right one in. That's is that shot for shot? I feel like that's it's like I'm just an, this an, is just according to T V tribes. Right, okay. Um Yeah, the Wikipedia and, oh, page wasn't very helpful. It just it's just like Shrek retold. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the um It's interesting because Yeah, I mean the way we sort of already talked about it, but it's like yeah, it, sh- it should it should work and I I but I've never heard of one that really works. Well, I think the fu- I don't think the funny games ones are like that's just oh, yeah, a dif- I- that's just a difficult movie. So I don't know if it's that the reason people yeah. will be complaining will be about the remake aspect. Yeah, uh, and then bless my <laughs> very fun um, psycho themed usernames this week. Gang has said uh, when I was I college, I had a creative writing professor that offered us a thought experiment. If you have an original artwork and then some heathen made a forgery that is exactly the same as the original down to the atoms, what does that say about the intrinsic value of art? An example of this would be right-clicking and saving an NFT. Um, (laughs) While the Psycho remake is not a down-to-the-atom remake, it is shot for shot. It tries its best to recreate the original, but often thought to be worse in just about every way. It brings to mind that thought experiment. Something about the original film, whether it was the little touches Hitchcock made or the acting or really just some inexplicable aspect of the nature of art that somehow makes it inferior. So I ask, do you think someone watching the remake without knowledge of the original would notice how it isn't a very good film? Is there bias in knowing it is a bit of a half-hearted copy of a classic and what makes it worse additionally does the remake hold exceptional value as an example of the nature of art in general i think it does and i think that in some ways there's somewhat important film and what it can teach us about what makes art good yeah 100 agree on that last point that it's mm-hmm. like there needs to be at least one psycho yeah. 1998 in existence and ever yeah i think that they would notice it's not a very good film i um, think so too i think particularly vince vaughn's performance is like bad even if you're not comparing it yeah but it would be a fascinating thing to show this to someone who with no knowledge of psycho Hmm. i think that any flaws that you can forgive in the original psycho because the rest of the film is so good are going to be so much more glaring Hmm. oh my god i just totally had an incredibly relevant memory pop into my head Mm -hmm. i think the first thing I ever saw of Psycho when I was like 10 or 8, eight to, mm. between 8 to 10, was the final scene of the 1998 remake. Because I remember seeing Vince Vaughn and hearing the I wouldn't even swat a fly thing. Mm. And then, um, like months later, was answering some kind of quiz and had to like 
answer the question what horror movie is about a guy that turns into a fly and i was like it's psycho because he talks <laughs> about the fly at the end it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> great <laughs> Uh, Dan from Bates Motel said, Psycho is such a bona fide classic. But the reason I've seen all four films of this franchise is that my film teacher in high school decided to show us Psycho, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, and the remake. He really loves showing us sequels of classics in order to appreciate aspects of films that aren't classic. I absolutely love, 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 love the opening sequence of 3 with the There Is No God line delivery living in my head rent free ever since. Huge fan of Psycho 2, and that was also a big factor in me giving chances to films that sound like they might not be good because who knows maybe i'm missing out on a psycho too shout out to vincent valiatis of the the lighters he showed us all the four alien movies that existed at the time also presumably that's his um professor the teacher uh dan from base motel also said i find it interesting also how psycho spans anthony perkins entire career and sadly marks his decaying health i really wish he could have had a happy life with tab hunter or grover dale the sad parallels with perkins own dramatic childhood is chilling personally also conversion therapy can fuck off agreed Hmm. anyway i'd like my haiku reviews to be read for the first two psycho films Note, I wrote three haikus for the first one. Uh, so, four and a half stars and a and a heart for this. Psycho, odd to revisit after watching new slashes. So methodical. Ending, could be transphobic, but takes the time to point out Norman isn't trans. Explained as for the last speech, nobody needs to Google. Psycho, end, explained. <laughs> And then Psycho 2, um, four stars. Surprisingly great. I want Meg Tilly's sweaters. Are you my mother? Nice work. Uh, if it Brent's, we can kill it, who hasn't updated his name from the, from the printer. Let's episode. update it for him. What about, um, what about a Brent's best friend is his mother? <laughs> uh, you can actually literally add it. I'm doing it now, yeah. <laughs> the mod powers. <laughs> Brent is is his mot okay there we go <laughs> it, it, it runs out of characters uh uh this is his four star review of psycho we all think we're doing something original but really we're all just playing at hitchcock motifs yeah i agree is. like watching psycho i was like oh my god it's all just hitchcock it all comes back to hitchcock yeah um dimitri says i watched psycho once in high school and was like oh yeah that was pretty good and i've never bothered to revisit it however i do know that according to seth rogan on movie fights the 1998 remake is the first mainstream movie to show a butthole so that's cool if you're into that sort of thing are you into buttholes yeah um i certainly wouldn't have said i was uh a number of years ago i don't know if it, if the butthole is something like i'm interested in on a visual level Right. But I think on other levels, I might be more uh, interested in it. What levels? On um, an olfactory level? Yeah, on a factory level. What's the next? Ol- what's, the, what's the last? What? To do with scent. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, no, not that either. But <laughs> What's the next one? Scotty can open doors now, has said. Uh, my... Is that a Jurassic Park username? I do. I think scotty's last name is it door. is door yeah. but like 
<laughs> is this a, is this a, a nickname that hasn't been changed since the Jurassic Park episode? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Scotty says, my film school, like most film schools, made us watch the first one. I went into expecting a horror, as for some reason people made me think that that's what it was. I mean, I would argue it is, but to my surprise, it was more of like a giant practical joke. I laughed pretty hard at the end. Not sure if that was the intended reaction. For some reason, the idea that this is one of the most studied films of all time has this weird as fuck ending just cracked me up. Like the psychiatrist is such a smug fuck. Never saw the remake or the others. I bet they're not as funny. I think um, Robert Forster's um, performance as the psychiatrist is much better than... Like, yeah. there is a smugness in the original. Hmm. Um, and Robert Forster's more... It, it, it's a bit more gravitas to it. Hmm. That's so funny. That's such a unique perspective that Scotty has on Psycho that he's acting like is the general opinion. <laughs> but it's like yeah, no yeah, one yeah. else thinks this movie is funny. Scotty, what are you talking about? <laughs> all right meeting adjourned we're going to move on now to continue the franchise which is where we pitch our own continuations of the franchise but there are a few that already exist or sort of already exist um outside of robert blosh's psycho 2 the author also wrote a third novel in 1990 called psycho house which is set 10 years after norman bates's death in the bates mansion and motel are both bought as tourist attractions before a series of mysterious murders murders begin to take place and in 2016, a fourth book was written by Chet Williamson called Psycho Sanitarium, which took place between the first and second novel and recounted the events which took place in a state hospital for the criminally insane where Bates is a patient. Um, there are also several documentaries of, about the film, some of which I've already mentioned, and also some interesting uh, art installations, including 24-Hour Psycho, which is a slowed-down version of the film which takes a day to watch. Uh, it's at two <laughs> frames per second. Um, and a mashup of the original and the remake, which appeared on Steven Soderbergh's Extension 765 website, entitled, get this, Psychos. Presumably yeah. the S on the end is a dollar sign. Yeah, I did know about that, no actually, money. yeah. <laughs> I forgot, yeah. Um, Psycho's most notable modern outing, though, would be the 2013 TV series, uh, also titled Boat Bates Motel, which is developed by Carlton Cuse of oh, the, really? the other guy from Lost that no one talks about as much yeah, as well. Damon Lindelof. Um, other people were also involved, but he's he, the name I recognize. Have you seen any of this show? I have not, no. No? Uh, it ran for five uh, for five seasons until 2017. Um, starred Freddie Highmore as Norman Bates and Vera Farmiga as Norma Bates. Uh, I th- I've seen, My mum watched it all when I, just when I moved back to Christchurch, so I saw quite a lot of it. Uh, yeah. Freddie Highmore is so good, and it's weird no. that he's kind of like dipped below the 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 line in terms of fame mm. since he was a child actor is he in the good doctor as well yeah that? he is he's the yeah. titular yeah. good doctor yeah. i mean he's really good in that as well um bates motel is set in modern day and the entire show is basically a lead up to the events of psycho which transpire in the final season would you like some spoilers for the show <laughs> okay spoilers for bates motel so norman murders his mother at the end of the show's fourth season but vera Farmiga stays on as main cast member um, tormenting norman as a ghost slash vision marion crane is played by rihanna in the series uh, in the in the final season um and actually survives the show the the famous wow. shower scene is subverted it's included but in this version norman actually stabs sam loomis who's written as more of a scumbag in 
canvas adaptation interesting um, so it's there's some cool stuff and it. it's one of those things where it's like i'm sure like in the middle of bates motel like season three of bates motel must be like unrecognizable as a psycho story yeah, yeah. and it's just like <laughs> they're just playing with the, the the characters they have set up and the storylines they have set up and and like we never like it's the same with like how there's like the alfred show at batman's yeah, butler yeah, yeah. how it's like what am i going to care about this if it's not if it's literally without batman um and i felt similar about gotham gotham and stuff as well and just remember it's called pennyworth what's the, what's the, the show the origins of batman's butler yeah they, re- they retitled it recently so funny yeah yeah it's great so yeah that uh i have seen enough of that show to speak to it's it's sort of varying quality i remember at the time came out the same time as um or around the same time as hannibal which was you know mm. i mean norman bates and Han- hannibal lecter are i think somewhere they are written as the second and, be- and first yeah the afi films, films, yeah. films yeah so so there were you know jokes about a crossover between bates motel and hannibal and right. and things like that um i remember watching the first episode when it came out having not seen psycho strangely enough and thinking it wasn't very good but <laughs> freddie highmore is really good in it um yeah so that's the bigger the big continue the franchise thing that's how that's how psycho exists in 2020 whatever is that show basically uh i have a a continue the franchise i'm actually quite excited about do you have one would you like to go i have one i'm not very excited about i have one i think is stupid okay Um, you tell me that first and then i'll end us on a high well i I would love to see a like you know we've we've seen the shot for shot remake let's make a shot for shot all like female like you know gender swapped remake all right nice and it's called like psycho woman <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see some 28 year old actresses that could play dakota fanning she's who norman Bates. norman norman Bates. okay or olivia cook olivia cook shows up in everything She's in Bates Motel. Yeah, she is. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Who, who plays um? Who am I looking for? Gabby Hoffman. Who's Harold's Gabby Hoffman? She is forty, but I think she'd be a good female. Norman Bates. <laughs> okay. Okay, my um continue the franchise is actually not too dissimilar from what you said um but somewhat inspired by the somewhat disappointing gus van sant remake i was thinking about how psycho is kind of the perfect movie to remake Mm. um it's sort of what he said before in that in that uh, mark maron quote like it has such distinct sets characters and story structure that there's and there's almost a theatrical quality to it that feels like it lends itself to being interpreted by different directors and artists and actors and and things you know so i'm pitching a seven-part project richard called psycho paths (laughs) uh, which will see seven different directors given the keys to their own psycho remakes um and i don't know maybe these come out two months every two months over a year and a bit or maybe they come out once a year for seven years um film buffs often theorize as to what it would be like to see a different director's approach to the same material and i think psycho is iconic enough that it's a perfect control sample or frame of reference you know it's it's not too alienating that it would it's it's too specific for different directors yeah. visions um so each director would be able to change swap alter anything they like they can make it 
unrecognizable if they want to um they can use the exact same script or reinterpret it entirely they can even change the title if they want there are no rules it's just the mandate you are making a psycho remake here are the seven directors that i think would be great the seven psychopaths (laughs) that that i think would be great to 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 bring on board some of them i think are like really obvious and you're like of course but some of them i'm quite proud of okay so first and foremost jordan peele has recently spoken about how he thinks alfred hitchcock is the greatest horror director of all time i think a um he's he's also talked about like how he he doesn't want to make movies where black characters aren't the protagonists yeah so i think black psycho a black psycho black black cast would be cool um and i think his um movies evoke hitchcock as well mm. so yeah i think it'd be really interesting to see jordan peele's psycho uh lynn ramsey who did um Hang you on. were never really here and uh we need to talk about kevin um yeah i, th- I think uh i was I, i'll you know trying to be diverse and get diverse voices and she's a she's an active female director who makes this kind of film anyway i imagine it would be a lot a lot less fun in a in a good way than the mm. original like a lot less pulpy and a lot more like down to earth and a lot more sad um <laughs> bong joon ho third director yep. right so after parasite and everything i think similar to um jordan peele it's like what is it what is a a korean psycho look like when it's like mm. literally filmed in korea and you know like what is what's that 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 kind of vibe and i think um I've only seen a couple of his films, but I think, again, it, it lends itself to the material. All right. um, A little less famous, but I really would love to see it. Taylor Sheridan, Wind River director. Oh. Um, I think this is like a modern approach that could yeah. be, could be really cool to see like a, um, just with, with new inventive filmmaking ideas that he, yeah. I think embodies. So we've got um, black psycho, girl psycho, Korean psycho, Western psycho. Western psycho. Nice. Um, and then, um, because you've got to M night Shyamalan, of course, of course yeah. you've got to, what is what, like, this will be the worst one, but what does it look like? Mm. You know, what Twisty does M psycho. night Shyamalan's psycho look like? Mm. Um, and the next one I've got is, um, the safety brothers, I think could mm. make an interesting psycho. Stressful and at first, psycho. First, I was like, because Adam Sandler would be an interesting Norman Bates. And then I was like, oh, Benny Safdie is the best, would be the yeah. best Norman Bates. Benny Safdie <laughs> would be an incredible Norman Bates. And like, and if then, they had- um, no, and like, um, Adam Sandler would be a good one. And then doing his like, <laughs> yeah, for the, for, um, for <laughs> oh, Norman. Blind, my blind, blind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, yeah, he I- would have a fan. Um, yeah, I think I think the safety like if they approach it the same way they approach uncut gems with making a script uncut that doesn't jobs. feel like a script, um, you know, then it's it's this interesting thing that it's it's chaotic and it's stressful in a way that the original maybe isn't um, is a little bit more theatrical with. And finally, uh, the seventh director I would get on board for this would be Scott Derrickson, maybe the lesser oh, yeah. like known of the ones, but he, I don't know. So he did the Black Phone, he did Doctor Strange, he did one of the hellraiser movies and i think i think what he did like what, sinister and stuff like yeah and what attracted me to to giving him a, one of the the spots was that i think on twitter he's demonstrating like a, he often demonstrates it like a really good understanding of horror mm. um and he's also probably probably makes them more the most like generic ish crowd pleasing like classic well not even classic like modern well, it's, it's it's like what what you would consider like a, a modern yeah so sort what of, is it, yeah yeah so yeah. what does a modern psycho look like 
and those are my seven directors for yeah, especially since the adam movies. wingard uh, isn't is good now <laughs> can't give it to him <laughs> right yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah. nice so that's your the seven psycho piles and yeah if this if this goes well why don't we do this with other movies you know mm. like it's it's such an interesting experiment i think gus van sant is like i'm just so curious about that movie despite not really liking it and so yeah 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 i love right. it now we've got to do a little thing we love doing called Ranked at Franchise. We're over on yep. letterbox.com um, on the Copoch page. We've got a list where we rank every franchise we've ever watched. Uh, and it is uh, organized by the um, the first, you know, representing the first movie in, in a franchise represents the whole franchise. So I'm going to add Psycho to this list. Where Do you, where, do you have any gut feelings um, where it should go? It's because gonna... it's similar yep yeah no yeah what were you gonna say similar to um alien not as nowhere near as good as alien but like mm. i feel similar about it in the sense that like i don't think it's it, it the 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 terribleness isn't actually that potent or that like the lowest this film franchise gets i don't think is as, is as bad or as well i mean like as, jaws as is still like decently high above the nymphomaniac jaws jaws should not be above the nymphomaniac constant i don't know why it is jaws is real good (laughs) yeah but the sequels are and we're ranking it as a franchise i don't know i regret putting it that high all right so if i go to somewhere um that is um where is the nymphomaniac okay there's nymphomaniac do we reckon it's above the nymphomaniac constant Mm. i don't reckon it's very far away from it to be honest i think it is better though i think it, i think yeah, if, sure. if the nymphomaniac constant is half good half bad i think this is like mo- like one really good thing and then then interesting stuff which makes for good franchise watching mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. go um above the rugrats movie but below high school musical okay sweet so that is number 72 the 72nd best franchise we've ever watched is the psycho franchise you can check that out at letterboxd mm-hmm. uh, and we've got one more thing to do before we head on out richard and that is reveal what our next franchise is for the next film franchise Fortnite. Oh. it is still spooktober this episode will i believe be released on halloween on, on spookaween itself um and it's up to the patrons the patrons voted and suggest suggested and voted on what spooky franchise they want us to cover richard before you tell us what has won the vote i would just like to tell people that if they have enjoyed this this podcast please consider supporting us you can do that by uh, following us at instagram or twitter at cult popture um and you can also join the discord where we chat all things cult popture and pop culture uh and we'd love to know your thoughts on our thoughts about psycho um and also we've got a patreon patreon.com slash cult popture if you loved our thoughts so much that you want to literally pay for them um you can go over there where you get all sorts of exclusive content including extra podcasts you get to do those these votes you get to um contribute to the discussion in the episode it's a lot of fun richard what is the next fortnight's franchise um i have not been following it this um mm-hmm. can i get the two-factor authentication code uh, is that what that buzz in my pocket was? Yeah, it was i know what it is do you want me to just say it I, I i'm pretty sure i know what it is but i want to see now you know wolf yeah and i didn't have to bleep that out because it's going to change the next time <laughs> like it's all it's, it'll expire yeah you're right everything expires 
Even us. We all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's true. Why are you logging out of Patreon? It does, I'm not. (laughs) Stay logged in. It's not me. Alrighty. We've got a bunch of comments here, but it appears that in the lead is Spooky Family Guy. Not a film franchise. Cancelled. All right, let's go with the next best thing, which is Child's Play slash Chucky. All right, this has been a long time coming. I feel like this is the longest we've ever waited to get a franchise. This we've is been... this is the last one. Do you reckon? This is it. In what sense? This is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> not not even Chucky, like the Psycho episode. You're just yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I feel like we've been waiting to get Child's Play for years. I remember yeah. 2019 thinking we were going to get given Child's Play sooner or later. Yeah, because the, the, the new one came out. Yeah, I remember standing in a in a gas station and thinking, oh, we'll probably get Child's Play next week. So how many Child's Play movies are there? Uh, there's eight. Nice. I'm super excited. I've wanted to watch these for a while. I've only seen the bride of chucky when i was very young and i've seen uh the end of the new tv series which i thought was really good um yeah, so it's quite good so that would there would be this will be awesome and very spooky so get ready for that next week everybody stay tuned for the post credit scene which will come at you after this music stops um and time for a, a, a franchise appropriate sign off something i didn't realize was my trademark until i realized it was mm-hmm. um we what let me think um a podcaster's best friend this is co-host this is co-host <laughs> all right welcome along to the post credit scene everybody this is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate five dollars or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this the post credits scene richard what is it Who's this going? comes to us from randy rubright who says hey aj hi richard Hi. The weird that you gave me high and AJ hey. Randy Rubright emailed us five years ago and it was one of the first big interactions we'd had from a fan and it was a touching email and Randy, I still remember your email and it was it was a big watershed moment for me. Um so Randy says, I've always loved to cook and the pandemic gave me a lot of time to experiment in the kitchen since my partner was an essential worker and my lab was temporarily shut down. Since I was now the primary foodsmith, I was looking at anywhere and everywhere for dinner ideas and would sometimes take inspiration from movies slash shows we were watching. It was really anything, it was rarely anything prominently featured, but sometimes if a character sat down for a meal or someone was eating something in passing, I'd go, ah, fuck, I should make that. Has there ever been a meal in a non-food centric film or show so no chef ratatouille but honestly if you want to include food centric movies go right ahead i'm not going to sue that made you so interested that you sought out to try or even make it yourself if so did it live up to your expectations because i know i've definitely made some shitty dinners as an example the prison sauce from goodfellas had way too many onions though and honestly i didn't enjoy it as much as my normal homemade tomato sauce recipe I tried a razor with the garlic and it for sure doesn't dissolve in the pan in just a little <laughs> bit of oil. It fries like, well, garlic. I still chop, rough chop my garlic for most things, but I actually do use his technique now for pasta olio olio. Uh, it works super well for that, but my God, the meat combo for the meatballs does kick ass with a veal 
veal pork and beef i don't make them anymore because of moral veal obligations but the time we tried them was fantastic so i don't know if it's from a specific thing but i've had a lifelong obsession that still has gone unsatisfied to this day uh with a really good sandwich uh and like i really oh yeah I really love sandwiches. I've I have these conversations with my flatmate where like all I want is like a good sandwich. And whenever you go to buy a sandwich from a place, mm. um, there's always like something that puts something in it I don't want. Um, and I I presume it's like Scooby Doo, like Shaggy eating like a fucking tall ass sandwich but shaggy's a vegetarian and i'm specifically looking for mainly meat and cheese mm. in my sandwich and so <laughs> that this is something that like whenever i see a sandwich in a cartoon i'm always very, my interest is always piqued because i'm like what is in that sandwich <laughs> interesting um i you're coming out to auckland soon and mm. i have a sandwich shop i've been wanting to take you to for fucking ages it. what's it called pastrami and rye ah oh, sounds amazing i had a sandwich in london i had a reuben sandwich in london that was delicious there are some sandwich okay there are some sandwich places in sandwich places in christchurch there's serious sandwich um which is really good and new york deli which is really yeah, good but they're great. like they're a tier above the sandwich i i want at all times these mm. they're like gourmet fancy yeah. subway sandwiches i want something that is like fresher than subway and more like more good better ingredients but not 20 bucks for a sandwich yeah this place uh, pastrami rice is a bit more expensive but it's a bit on the expensive side but they they have really nice pecan pie as well which you can't really oh, get nice. in new zealand um but yeah the reuben's really good the pastrami and rice really good they do a lot like good um the bre- breakfast baguette with like bacon and it was just like bacon egg and a baguette with like nice. um rocket barbecue sauce yeah, and it yeah. was um that was when i would work a seven day stretch of work on the monday after mm. this i would work like monday to sunday and then on monday tuesday after monday morning was always like my little treat i would get over it's um pastrami right when i lived nearby let's, let's um go. in terms of um yeah things i like going to the states was like a massive trying a lot of stuff i'd seen on tv and again like nothing super specific but um i mean i guess the most like specific one was that we like went out of our way to try white castle and it's just from how to come i go to white castle right Was it and good? uh no it's it's terrible white castle's so bad really yeah white castle is what's what are we talk, what, what are we comparing it to our uh, food. food no but like does it taste is it like more like mcdonald's than burger king or anything like that? no so it's it's a it's a different ball game it's it's um because there's you know there's sliders and so it's like yeah um you know the the patty a paper um the, the the bun paper thin patty uh with a hole in the middle of it onion an onion thrown at it and no sauce whatsoever um <laughs> just the driest fucking thing um because it's not we, we we went to the west coast and white castle isn't really so much on the west coast but there there was a white castle in vegas and so we were like i was like oh we you know we have to go here while we're here and it was just garbage oh we saw white castle like frozen sliders in the frozen section of of the supermarkets and it's like honestly if you're in the states and you want to try white castle for whatever reason just get the frozen one it will taste identical like it tastes like it, it tastes like it's from frozen That's if you're baked though oof. oh oh 